This is British Wrestling Spotlight on theindycorner.com. I'm Benno. And I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And what's happening, fellas? We're back. Good to have you back, Joe. Uh, back from a, a trip away to New Orleans. You were living it up while me and JP were doing uh, audio and all the, the live streamer events over WrestleMania weekend. So it'll be interesting to get your, your live perspective on uh, some of the shows you, you went to over that weekend. But how are things otherwise with you both? How have you been uh, since that, that uh, hectic three or four days? A little bit jet lagged, but all good overall. Um, still feeling a little bit jet lagged, I think. Still taking a while to recover, but no, back at the swig of things, I think. That's what about you, JP? What have you been up to in the meantime? Did uh, WrestleMania weekend not bear you out on wrestling? Have you, uh, oh, have yeah. you managed to get back on the horse? Very struggled to get back on the horse. Like <laughs> there was no way I could watch any. Like, you know me, I like I like me a young lions match. And there was no way I could watch like Lions Gate 11 or whatever it is. That's disappointing. Or Don Tarkano. Found found time for um, Impact Redemption though. <laughs> Wasn't missing out on that. Show. <laughs> That's got me back into it. And you're not uh, going to wrestle Queendom, so our uh, women's and the young oh, Lions expert is letting the side down here. I am letting the side down here. <laughs> At least it's you a got bit some of a impact difficult one with because and we've been speaking about about what days of Super Strong Star will will go down to see hmm. and then obviously it's it th- there is a bus i believe that's been arranged but i don't know if that's all been booked up or how that works of people taking people they're going to leave before the last match on the uh, saturday and then go to the york hall and go to see wrestle wrestle queendom and <laughs> i still haven't decided whether or not that'll be something that i'll i'll go ahead and do i'm still umming and ahhing about it but it may be a moot point if i don't get on that bus anyway yeah, it's a bit weird that it isn't. It doesn't feel like Eve and, uh, and Progress are working together there at all. It's kind of like there's there's the the fan bus and then Progress are doing their own uh, after party, and then you might you might get on that fan bus uh, maybe just before the Progress show ends. Uh, you're gonna miss some of either show, aren't you? It's a bit of a shame that they've not been able to to work that out a little bit better and maybe work together. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Well, what's wrong with harmony? <laughs> And it's difficult. I mean, and, and both sides would have some justification for saying, well, why should we move it round? I mean, it'd be difficult for Eve to move any later. Mm-hmm. Progress always starts at this time. But why do you think it is that uh, neither have sort of compromised on it? Because at the end of the day, they're just doing a disservice to the fans who would like to get a both, really, aren't they? Mm. I don't know. And I mean, part, part of it's a logistical thing. It's that's... about the, the without... Um, Trust me, we'll have plenty of time to harp on about Ali Pali and the location. Mm. But part of it is just the fact that Alexandra, uh, Alexandra Palace is going to be slightly awkward in terms of public mm. transport because you only get that one bus. Yeah, starting an hour earlier, though, you know what I mean? That, yeah. Would it be that hard? I don't know. I don't know the ins and the outs. But... It depends when they can get the booking the space mm. for Alexandra. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there's there's so many variables that that we don't really know for it but yeah it's a bit of it's a bit of a shame and i've and i'm looking at it and thinking i could do that but it's it could be really hard work as well at the same time and i might be just too knackered so i'll play that one by ear Fair enough. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about uh, Brit Res politics today, so it all kind of fits mm. into a bit of a theme there. I did note, though, yeah, you just said there, JP, that you'd uh, been watching the the Impact pay-per-view. Was that a nice break from Brit Res? I was surprised how much I was into it. We kind of, me and you got a whole bunch of fight credit over WrestleMania <laughs> weekends. I was hoping, I was kind of looking at it going, well, Impact are trying, to, the show's called Redemption. They're trying to improve themselves and trying to get on better footing. And I thought, I might buy that on fight. And we couldn't buy it in the UK. It was region blocked. Which yeah. was 
really strange. It's not. They, they obviously went through difficulties with the their TV contract, so apparently it's going to be on the Global Wrestling Network, their app, uh, which you can get on Wednesday. Uh, tri- trivia note on on that Global Wrestling Network app, you can actually get the old British Audio Wrestling uh, shows we used to do on the Law. They're part of that app nice. for some reason. I've, I've never had any royalties though, which which isn't great. Uh, do you get free? Uh, do you get a free sign up for it? Free subscription? No, none of nothing of the kinds. No, no, it's just Shuffle. a. Hidden in the back pages, you can uh, you can get through to to our all our, our old audio, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, but yeah, before we get into it, Res JP, any, any thoughts on that Impact pay per view? Uh, couldn't skip past it. I I loved the thing. I thought it was great. It was. I don't know whether I wasn't just enjoying it on an ironic level, but uh, I thought uh, it made me interested in Impact, and it just made me worry where with all the great Brit Res and all the great uh, other world wide wrestling, I'm actually going to have the time to follow Impact. You've been a a big fan in the past. I. I've stuck with it far, like even when it wasn't sensible to, and it was like, you know, but probably, you know, when you're sitting there going, they've, they've rehired Vince Russo, shouldn't they? And you just think, oh, is there a possibility he's learned? And clearly he never will. He'll, he'll still be terrible for the, for the most part. Um, but I, I re I did enjoy this show. I liked Don Callis. I must yeah. confess. I, I enjoy his persona. I enjoyed him as the jackal in WWE <laughs> all those years ago. <laughs> Um, and it, there was, I mean, the thing that stuck in my mind from it was the, the kind of wild ending to the Eddie, the, the six man where there was the Eddie Edwards, Sammy Callahan stuff with the barbed wire baseball bat. Yeah. And it got very brutal. Um, but it was good fun. And there was a main event with a clean finish. Incredible. That's, for TNA, that's shocking. Uh, that's yeah. Absolutely stunning. That's kind of what I was really into. That they had like it was like a hardcore rule six man match where they had Tommy Dreamer doing a promo before the match, uh, doing a rallying promo saying his team had black and white together and it was men and women together. It's like, oh no, where are you going here, Tommy? And then it's one of those, it's a token wrestling thing, isn't it, to do an ECW style brawl? But it it was just weird how much it worked and how much I enjoyed it. I think it was yeah. probably because of the realism of that Eddie Dennis, sorry Eddie Edwards and uh, and Sammy Callahan feud. Yeah. It just felt so so real because of the real element with the the whole baseball bat angle. Although it was kind of a bit of an over overdone trope, it was just a really really enjoyable match and yeah, just a, a crazily enjoyable show to be honest. Uh, any show really that's got Drago and Aerostar having an opener doing they were doing impression. It was like watching an old cruiserweight match from 1999 Nitro with them just hitting every move in the world, a couple of botches in there, and then going back and hitting every move in the world again, regardless of yeah. of whether the fans were in it and. Yeah, any pay per view where you get to see Scott Steiner do a Frankenstein is a win by my book as well. Uh, what that did you make of his promo re- with Pete Williams? <laughs> That's makes a- no sense. <laughs> yeah, it was great to see him reu- do a reunion with uh, Pete Williams. Did you see any of it, Joe? Are you excited by the prospect of a, a Scott Steiner and Pete Williams reunion? Apparently, they're gonna head back to Cracker Barrel. Uh, well, if the Cracker Barrel's involved. And it's Petey Williams, you know. That's the best of Petey Williams because he's a bloke who I wasn't interested in in 2006. So I'm certainly not going to be interested in the bloke 12 years later. Put it that way. <laughs> um, but Petey Williams' greatest moments did involve Scott Steiner. So maybe I'll just watch that one segment. But honestly, there's too much bloody wrestling out there. That's the problem. Man. I haven't that, seen that... any TNA probably in a few years now. I was never that into it in the first place. I had little periods here and there where I would watch sort of long term. If there was a wrestler I liked, it was getting a decent push. Um, 
but uh, they, they've been far off my radar for a long time, and I don't need them back on my radar because I don't have the time. I, I need to have a life outside of watching wrestling as well. And there's so much fucking wrestling to watch at this point in time. It's impossible. So I do like watching stuff that isn't wrestling, so I'll just let that one... Uh, I'll pretend it's not going on. Put it at the back of my mind. I don't know if Scott, Scott Steiner counts as wrestling at this point. He's more like just a <laughs> wild man off the rails. Um, Does he own a yeah. restaurant or something? Oh, something like that. He's just, I think it's TNA have kind of captured... going there, <laughs> tell you that much. That'll make a good episode of Impact. They like doing that 24-hour stuff where they follow people around with cameras. Um, oh, mate, if he franchised <laughs> a Cracker Barrel, get me there. <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of the that was the if if you were gonna go out your way to watch any segment from that show where uh, Scott Steiner telling P.T. Williams when's the most time you had sex with your wife when you look like me <laughs> it was just a, <laughs> that one of the greatest TNA segments of all time and a great callback to as Joe said ten years ago when uh, when P.T. Williams was uh, was relevant um, but yeah maybe JP maybe one day we'll start that TNA podcast and we'll uh, we'll talk all that stuff on there um, it's, it's coming do you know my favorite <laughs> TNA feud ever go on. Steiner and Lashley, that was a classic. Yeah, no, I, don't recall it. Don't, right, that, that's the greatest TNA feud ever. Uh, Went on and on and on. It was based around Chris was Steiner and Joe. No, but... it was based around Crystal Marshall, uh, the woman who got Lashley. Didn't she get Lashley sacked from WWE or something? Oh. I vaguely remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell you what, Steiner wanted a piece of Crystal, and he was determined to get a piece of Crystal. This stuff would not fly now if it was going. Hilarious. Me and my brother look back on it with uh, as a fond memory. I tell you. <laughs> Oh god, yeah. I think it's yeah. Maybe maybe the lesson here is all the greatest moments in TNA history involve Scott Steiner in one way or another. Uh, they can do the best. They can put the belt on Pentagon and and uh, and do all that stuff. But yeah, maybe that's uh, maybe that's best what they're, they're sticking to. Pentagon, Pentagon, Scott Steiner, Joe, you'd be in for that. Nah, I, I was more <laughs> of a Pentagon Nick Gage fan, to be honest with you. <laughs> Uh, moving on then I suppose uh, good segue uh, yeah. w- talking uh, about that and, uh, and New Orleans uh, like I said me and JP did talk a lot about New Orleans on the Indie Corner feed go back and check that out if you haven't maybe we uh, similar to that TNA talk there we stepped out of our comfort zone a little bit but we saw some very interesting wrestling and a lot of it uh, what did you get up to Joe when you were out in New Orleans you took a, a long trip out to the United States didn't you and uh, took in uh, quite a few sites yeah, I was out there for a couple of weeks, so flew to Florida um, and did a bit of a road trip down to New Orleans. So me and my girlfriend uh, did lots of things around sort of the south along the way, visited Mobile, Alabama and Biloxi, Mississippi, amongst oh. other places, and went on a, like an alligator tour, which was amazing. Got to see like alligators jumping out of the water and stuff and like wild boar and yeah, that was like nothing I've ever done before. Learned all this like new knowledge about alligators, which I never knew I was that interested in, but it turned <laughs> out I was. So yeah, that stuff was great. But uh, we managed to kind of revolve it around getting to a few wrestling shows as well. Um, took my girlfriend to just NXT and to WrestleMania, and then we were lucky enough because we were in Orlando when the NXT TV tapings were going on, so we got to those as well, uh, thanks mm-hmm. to a mate of mine, Jacob, who hooked us up with the tickets. Um, but we, I also got to Alone. Well, not Alone. I went to Rev Pro 
and the Janella show with Martin Bushby and his wife Lisa. Martin, who you do the British wrestling experience with, obviously, Benno. Mm-hmm. Um, so got to take in a show at the Sugar Mill, where all the WrestleCon activities were going on, and a show at the WWN venue. So that was quite cool because I got to see both venues that were being prominently used that weekend, you know, compare and contrast both as well see a variety of different talents and yeah it was a really fun couple of weeks and a really fun few days in the middle there watching some really good wrestling some really diverse wrestling if anything anything job out from the from the rev pro show uh, i know you you did tell us that you had a bit of a chat with big dave Meltzer while you were there maybe aside <laughs> from that oh yeah dreams do come true me and big dave uh, yeah we're top buds now um took some great photos together as well shook hands yeah had a good <laughs> chat about conor mcgregor um, you know i'm gonna use that as the show image now joe Nah, please don't please don't <laughs> <laughs> that was for private consumption it's not on any sort of social media so okay yeah. i'll set up once i set up a patreon uh, anyone who wants to subscribe to the 600 dollar level yeah they can get that uh get that joe and melter picture that oh, can be mate, like i don't a... know how much the one of me kissing his guns is gonna go for then if you're <laughs> six hundred dollars but they're out there um, <laughs> Yeah, nice little chat with Dave Meltzer, um, Brian Alvarez briefly as well, who turned up while I was talking to Dave Meltzer about a few sort of British wrestling um, things that he maybe isn't so as informed about. Um, hmm. But we got to have a good chat about Conor McGregor as well and his thoughts on what was going on that weekend, what with uh, him obviously going mad in Brooklyn and all the rest of it. <laughs> so that was really cool. Um the show itself, I thought, I thought it was a great show. I thought it was really, really good fun. Uh, some really good stuff up and down that card. It was a, a card of variety. It didn't necessarily look like a traditional Rev Pro card um, when you looked at it at face value in many ways. There obviously were still Rev Pro talents on there, but they were booking around not being able to get various talents. So a guy like mm. Brian Cage was appearing on the show, and he's not done a Rev Pro date in the UK before. But at the same time, they were using those guys um, against their regular guys. So Brian Cage, Adam Brooks, perfectly fun match. Styles mesh really well. Adam Brooks went over and looked great in the process. So I thought they managed to book around that really effectively. Uh, good to see a few other guys as well. Ishi Zack was without a doubt the standout match and was, for my money, one of the best matches of the weekend. Got to see a Rev Pro title change as well. Felt like a big moment. People really lost their shit when that occurred as well. So it was just a really fun, really easy going show. Two hours as well. Absolute breeze. And the atmosphere in the venue was really good. Um, it looked to me as well like Rev Pro had oversold their allocation because they had to put some extra seats into the venue at a couple of points as well, I noticed, near where I was sat which is obviously a good sign and it shows that they're obviously you know gaining that popularity and maybe the new japan guys that attracted a few people in there as well but mm. people were coming out of the show and seem really happy with what they've seen as well oh awesome i mean we, we that uh zack saber jr and anishi match that that was one watching back on the vod that just came across really well it was kind of i don't know i, th- I think that, it felt like a big moment a little bit out of the blue but i kind of like it as a, as a decision and as a way to shock people Honestly, when they put together that Keith Lee Ishii 2 match, I thought to myself, New Orleans, Zack versus Ishii, mm. Ishii wins the belt, Ishii Lee at your call, second match for the belt. 
I thought that months ago before they'd announced the Ishii Zack match, mm. and that, that's what happened. So I didn't necessarily feel it was out of the blue, but that may be because I follow Rev Pro that little bit closer. Um, I think it's absolutely fine. They had the title on Shibata for a bit. He represented mm. the belt well. He obviously defended it in New Japan mm. a couple of times as well. If it gets a bit more exposure for the belt and for the promotion, fine by me. They can get Ishii in for the big shows as well. You know you're going to get a good match. You know you're going to get a really competitive match. He always works his ass off in Rev Pro. Yeah. And if he's going to mm. work his ass off and he's going to be the champion at the same time, makes the belt look very valuable, makes it look like a real prize. So I'm absolutely fine with that. Um, it was just another great match to add to Zack Sabre Jr.'s year. Great mm. matches as well so far. And Ishii... Well, go on, JP. I was going to say Ishii's over in Rev Pro as well. Mm. He's he's always, but even from the first first time he came over, he lost to Big Demo, and it, it's never mattered. He's always been over with that crowd. That crowd really get pumped for his matches. Um, we spoke about it before about the possibility of him being Rev Pro champion, and the fact that Zach is obviously going to be spending a bit more more time in New Japan as well. And it it's almost like I wonder if New Japan kind of view. This may sound really condescending, but that Rev Pro British title belt is like they give it that bit of credibility and it feels like it's like a really good. I don't want to say a stepping stone into being in the New Japan title scene, but it is definitely an elevation point. But it also uses Ishii well, who isn't frankly being used all that well in New Japan. No, he's sort of. Feels like he's a bit sort of prelim at the moment, doesn't he? Mm. But at the same time, I think people still buy him as a as a legit sort of. Oh, come G one time, yeah, it all changes. Yeah, it? and people always enjoy his matches. He's mm. always over. He's never not over, really, is he? Mm. And he can have a believable match against anyone. Like you know, he could lose to someone tomorrow, but he could go and have a great match with a carder and go close tomorrow. Mm. And it's not you know implausible by any means, is it? So. I think he's a great choice as champion. Uh, I don't know why people would moan about it taking place outside of the UK either. You know, we're spoiled in the UK at the moment. Mm. Like, if I wasn't there, I wouldn't have been bothered about not seeing it. it I can see it on the VOD. Mm. Like, it's a cool moment, but at the same time, I'm sure we'll get plenty of more cool moments in the UK. Definitely. Uh, any other uh, big memories then, either from that Rev Pro show or just from the, the trip in general? You took in some uh, NXT TV as well, didn't you? Yeah, I went to the NXT TV tapings, which is uh, was kind of interesting. It's got an interesting setup, the way it's run as well. Um, you sort of get three, 400 people in this little building. It feels like a slightly bigger version of the London cockpit in a way, mm. uh, with the way it's done. Uh, real high production values as well. Um, but production desk where you see guys like sort of popping out to occasionally. So sort of looked over at one point and could see Terry Taylor. Looked over at another point and could see Robbie Brookside sort of milling around. So that was quite interesting. Um, get little food trucks at the front as well <laughs> where you can take food into the venue, which is a first. Like, mm. the way they treat you the electric ballroom when you try to take a pack of biscuits in fuck me here i was taking in hot dogs chips it was bloody great i gotta say people bringing in <laughs> full mcdonald's as well like carry on please i couldn't believe it a wwe show you're allowed to do that um went to the joey janella show as well the spring break show which you guys absolutely loved uh on we the did. vod 
I, I will say, say we were probably we were a bit delirious. It was nine thirty in the morning by the time that thing finished. Well, I was um, bloody delirious in the stand. I tell you, my jet lag started <laughs> kicking in big time, especially after I had to drive for forty minutes from kind of the centre of New Orleans to get to this venue that was supposedly part of WrestleMania weekend in New Orleans. It wasn't hmm. fucking New Orleans. I say that for it. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> like these bum fuck uh, venues that evolve like to run. Yeah. Or WWN like to run. They're an absolute bitch to get to for one. They're way out and they're not very good. Like honestly, I was this, the the roads around New Orleans are shite. That's the first thing I'll say. That's still the still still because of Katrina. Yeah. yeah. Partly because of Katrina. Um and it's 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 some of the hardest driving I've ever had to do. Martin will tell you about how tough it was to drive around that night. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, so we got to the show and I was as soon as we got there, I was sort of like, shit, I'm so fucking tired. I feel like I'm going to pass out here. And we were sat quite high up at the stands, and I just didn't feel like I could get into the show at all. Like, mm. there were moments that I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's quite interesting to see. But I didn't enjoy it to anywhere near the same extent as you guys did. Oh, that's I, a real shame. There were oh. some great moments, don't get me wrong. The Walter uh, PCO match was a lot of fun. The atmosphere looked incredible match. during that one. Yeah. Oh yeah, Nick Gage taking head uh, chair shots of the head from Pentagon was quite something as well. But that clusterfuck! Oh <laughs> my god! I think that was bad me. enough. I mean, being online, I mean, I love the show, but the clusterfuck was a little bit of a struggle because it just went so long, didn't it? And it was going late. Um, and I can imagine, yeah, after a long day there of traveling as well, it probably oh. wasn't the uh, the ideal placement, was it? Was it not worth sticking around then to see Joey Janela and the great Sasuke do some karaoke? No, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was. No, it was bad, a badly laid out match, uh, paced like a, like really stupidly for something that went on at what like three in the morning i was ready to to go at that point um <laughs> was there I, people asleep around lisa fell asleep yeah 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 <laughs> she was asleep um and i didn't blame her because i fancied a kit myself at that point um I, it was shit um, oh no i don't see what the appeal was of seeing a bloke jump do loads of stupid stunts that are going to fuck him up for the rest of his life. <laughs> um, but you know, that, maybe that maybe that's just miserable. Picking up a ladder me, with yeah. his head. Yeah, that's maybe that's just fun. miserable me at half three in the morning. And I like Joey Janela. I'm a big fan of his. The video packages, I'll give. I've got to say, fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, that was great was, stuff. Did you was, did you not bump into Virgil at any point during the show? No. I didn't realise it was Virgil, and then Martin turned round to me and said something about Virgil, I was like, fuck, that's who it is. I couldn't work out who it was. <laughs> oh, no. Maybe we were better off, JP. Tired, but... hazy me, or what? Maybe we were better off watching it at home, JP, because I had a great time watching that show. Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely... And I think, is, I mean, part of the, the the high points of the clusterfuck match were the, um, was the commentary it was just all over the place. True, yeah, yeah. You didn't yeah. get any part of it. I had no idea. So you had Ronald Funches, who was absolutely caned out of his box. I don't know that is. And a, I don't even know the other guy. I can't remember now. My favourite moment was when Grado turned up, because about two hours before, um, maybe a little bit more, I'd been out on Bourbon Street having a walk around, and I saw Grado drinking these, like, fishbowl things, and he looked absolutely fucked. <laughs> just a few hours later when i hear uh like a prayer hit i'm like no surely not surely it's not grado and he, he looked fucked when he came out you did match. yeah you could see you could make that out on camera we were kind of saying that weren't we yeah. JP? 
Yeah. <laughs> also saw Ricky Morton on Bourbon Street as well. And then saw pictures from the same evening of Grado and Ricky Morton having a great time <laughs> together, which uh, cool. <laughs> was fairly entertaining. Also, uh, Kevin Owens wouldn't take a picture of me and my girlfriend. But he oh, said, no. He said that he appreciated it, but he only took pictures of the kids. So, wow. Yeah. Borrow mine next time then for that. <laughs> Man of the children, Kevin <laughs> Owens. <laughs> That's a policy. I, I was going to ask you, in terms of the two main venues... Um, what are the major differences, obviously, apart from the location? And is it the Pontchartain Centre was the one that was out of town? Yeah, and Sugar yeah. Mill was the one that was used for yeah. WrestleCon. So it seems to me like WrestleCon put real effort into finding somewhere central where they can house all the wrestlers close to the venue, and all the different promotions and promoters seem to stay close to the venue as well. So if like Quilden, I know, was staying across the road in a hotel just across the street. Uh, I know that because I was to Tiger Hattori outside the hotel, and he told me that he was staying there with like the Rev Pro crew, and uh, Andy had supplied him with free coffee or something. He was telling me, yeah, he seemed very happy about free coffee. Um, <laughs> so it's very central, very easy to get to, nice venue as well, um, good atmosphere inside, People are more sort of on top of each other and they're cramped in. It's the sort of venue that I love where people are on top of one another mm. and it creates that more intensity in the venue. The um, the other venue that WWN were running was just absolutely typical WWN. Like, oh, let's save some money by doing it all the way out here and finding this really shit venue where it's really quiet, the roof's really high, therefore it doesn't create any atmosphere, it doesn't create any great intensity within the venue um it's like sound doesn't travel well at all around the venue and it just feels empty and cold even though it wasn't empty mm. it felt that way because there's so much space in the middle of the room because Interesting. because certain right. stands go up so high mm. um i just think wwn need to sort their act out there's a reason that evolve has never been a hot promotion with any buzz because there's no atmosphere at their shows because they pick shit venues constantly and there's no like sort of quality control when it comes to actually picking appropriate venues that are going to make fans invest in shows more that's honestly one of the reasons i believe that they've never caught on um and that was games of penny pincher isn't he? he's always been that way he's kind of like it's just yeah it, whatever it, it's about maximizing profit isn't it same same with the vod and the old gabe tax that he used to be used to have and uh the problems with certain shows going on club wwn and certain shows not they're just not the most i don't know it, like you say they, they don't get a buzz and it's probably because they're not the most customer friendly of companies and they again yeah they don't put those types of things aren't the priority are they it's about getting the i think they, they they spend most of the money on the wages of the likes of a Matt Riddle and then uh, the rest of it's about penny pinching, isn't it? Both oh, yeah. In, in terms you, of roster, in terms of where they put the shows. Yeah, and they're running shows of progress who have been great at choosing venues for the most part and have caught mm. on, I think, partly because the atmosphere in the ballroom is so great and yeah. it creates a buzz. The atmosphere at the garage was great. The atmosphere in Manchester is great as well. Mm. Birmingham's good. Now, you look at the progress example and you think, you're running shows with that company. Surely mm. you'd think about their buzz and how they've got a bigger buzz than us and how that's partly happened. Have you? Can you think of two colder progress shows and these two pro progress shows over this weekend? 
The, the only, the only, th- the best comparison, and you, you've touched on it there, is when they were in New York last year, again teaming up with Evolve, and again in a shitty building. Um, but yeah, I mean that's kind of the, the next subject we were going to get into, and it is those progress new Lawton shows. I don't blame you for not going, Joe, because yeah, I don't think there was. Uh, I mean, we're about to go go into those shows, but because if if you really do want some cold, cold takes on on these two shows that were really slow and getting out on VOD, we've got you covered. But mm-hmm. yeah, just just not particularly interesting shows we're not going to go through match by match either because there's just not that much to get into is there i think it's it's a it's a couple of shows where yeah we're going to talk general thoughts but like you said joe it just it, it couldn't have felt colder um and a lot of it was was the atmosphere uh, i'm so glad i didn't go to either of these shows honestly mm. um i was out watching alligators eat sausages at this point and um, my god <laughs> i was my time better <laughs> did you think, I mean, we, we all watched these ones back on the VOD then, might as well get into them. I mean, JP, did you feel, I mean, the atmosphere was terrible um, yeah. on both shows, really. But I think what made it worse, and I was kind of happy at the start that there was no commentary, because there are combinations of that Progress Broadcast group, and it did look like it was going to be Glenn Joseph and Dahlia Black, because you can make them out in the VOD in the background, yeah. which are frankly an awful pairing. Um, so at first I thought it was a blessing that we were getting no commentary, but it all, all it really did was highlight just the, frankly, torturous uh, silence that these two shows were, uh, were recorded oh. in. It was, it was, it was, it was horrible. I felt sorry because I thought there are fans there who are trying to make a noise. Mm. There are, there is, you know, there are people there who um, the crowd are invested in. But like Joe has pointed out and Mm. like we've said, they're just these moments of what felt like silence. It was really odd. And especially if you've been to, like the shows that progress run in the UK where there's, there's always that hot crowd. It was weird. It was really, really weird. And the lack of commentary kind of meant, um, that particularly when it came to the thunder bastard, which I'll leave Joe go on to, but it was just, if you didn't know that much about evolve and the fact that we'd watched a load of evolve had kind of <laughs> meant I was pretty clued up on, on who the, on who these guys were, um it was it would be really difficult for anyone to kind of invest in it and also as well it's a storyline driven promotion and you you need the commentators to tell the story Mm. so yeah uh, it was it was a weird these were a couple of weird shows to watch I think it's the fact that they're kind of hangover shows as well. The fact that they're in the middle of the day. And yeah, you just touched on it there. I mean, one of the more surreal sights I've seen in wrestling in a while. I was kind of, I was watching the show with my girlfriend and she doesn't often watch the wrestling with me. And she was just sitting there like, why are you watching this? It was the <laughs> Thunder Bastard match that she happened to sit down with me. And I've not, it was just, it couldn't have felt less. I think they tried to do this Thunder the Bastard match in the United States to give the fans an authentic progress. They made it a chapter show. But it couldn't have been less authentic progress because the crowd was silent. The room looked shit. Although, I mean, I kind of appreciated that after watching all those WWN shows. I'm not a big fan of progress production, but at least it looked a little bit different than the other WWN shows because they used their own crew. But 
nobody had recognizable music. There were a bunch of Evolve guys in there. The Progress fans aren't going to know. Um, and them coming out to music that you don't know in the first place is just a huge problem. And it just felt dead from the start, didn't it, Joe? It was just, just from the start with Ricky Shane Page and Chris Brooks in there. It just, oh, it just yeah. felt like it was flat from then. It was like the, it was almost like the fans didn't know what they were in for, but it did feel like there were quite a few Brits in the crowd. So that's a bit weird. Yeah, there were. There were lots of people that I kind of recognized from shows in the UK around the venue at the Janella show had been there all day. Um, mm. So there were loads of Brits there. Um, the thing about this match is, let's say um, you knew what progress was and you casually knew what progress was and you walked in on someone watching this match. Would you look at this and go, oh, that's progress? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It just didn't have any identity. Like, for one, they didn't take the progress ring mat Okay, mm. but it didn't take the turnbuckle pads. Little staples to define it as progress were missing from the show. Mm. Maybe if you walked in and saw Jim Smallman doing the announcing, yeah, you'd know it's progress. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, with the commentary stripped away as well, and I'm not a fan of Glenn Joseph or Dahlia Black's commentary, but at the same time, this match desperately needed some commentary to fill people in on gaps, to fill people in on stories, and to give more background information on who the guys were. Now, Let's say they want to bring over Paro, right, to London for some ballroom shows. After watching this, we've seen Paro. Do the fans know a lot about Paro? He's Not tall. Really. I can tell you that. That's pretty much it. He's yeah. a big guy. He's tall. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. it. But they aren't going to know about his backstory necessarily and we're not going to know who he is and we're not going to have too much information about the bloke his no. move names aren't going to be known either because there's no commentary on a match where they pro- this is probably the the, the, um, the the match in progress where they've introduced the most newcomers in mm. one match ever and we weren't given any information about these newcomers so i knew all the guys were because i know too much about fucking wrestling let's be honest uh, <laughs> that's an arrogant comment wasn't it sorry um but at the same time i don't know all there is to know about mjf i would have liked a little bit more information on him which you get from commentary and it's one of the purposes of commentary in a match like this I was glad that he at least cut a promo, though. That was one note that I kind of had, that at least he came out and kind of got his character over. He got a couple of sneaky pins in the match. At least there was that with him. Yeah. Um, whereas with the others, everyone else just came out to really muted responses, yeah. didn't he? Because uh, I expect the crowd knew who they were, but they just seemed... Everyone seemed out of place. And, I mean, as much as Darby Allen tried to kill himself for our sins, uh, they just couldn't get the, the crowd into it, could they, JP? No. No, they couldn't. I mean, I actually thought MJF did a decent job when he came out on on the mic and he sort of cut the promo about himself and got got his tagline in. And like you say, he got those couple of sneaky pins. Mm. But really, outside of kind of Brooks and Cobb, it, yeah, it was it even was a, them. It, it was a very odd thing. Even Joey Janela didn't. Really felt yeah, they, they were the final place. three, weren't they? And even them, th- I thought those as the final three you'd get a bit of response, but there was silence even then, wasn't there? Yeah. Well, it's weird looking at the lineup as well. I'm pretty sure, but obviously Brooks is the only progress regular in here. But mm. isn't Jeff Cobb the only other person in the match who had ever appeared in progress before uh, this? Janella as well. Janella did the New York oh, show. Oh, he did the New York yeah. show, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking more of, I spo- yeah, I suppose Jan- the New York show counts. They, but they from- were the only three reasonable people, weren't they? That was what I was thinking. When they were the final three, I thought, well, these are the only three who had the chance anyway. Yeah, it just feels like, oh, these guys are in town. It's an easy booking. 
throw them on. People like mm. them. Um, it just there was nothing about this to me that felt like it was a progress match. Now, for me, one of the things with the match as well was it just felt like stuff was happening and the, and <laughs> stuff was happening, but there felt like there was no story to the match. And the Thunder Bastard is usually great at telling a really engaging. Um, mm. and quite layered story think about the one this year that had the eddie dennis stuff that was thrown in there with mark andrews there was one a couple of years ago that had all that great stuff that advanced the marty and osprey feud in some way I mean, think of the last one where tk seemed to get somewhat yeah. of like a a, a a bit of a boost at that point leading before the travis banks heel exactly and it tried to re-establish his cocky character mm. whereas mm. here what did this match do like it, it was just a match on a cold mm. card mm. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of hoping that this would be a because I'm a big, I'm not a fan of many of the other guys in here, but Darby Allen's someone I'm really into. I was hoping yeah, this was so. going to be a, maybe they have more plan with him, but I doubt it. I think the wrestlers look just confused out there, and once he's Tope Conhilo himself onto the back of his own head, and fair play to him, he got back in there and took a power bomb off the top rope. He's a, he's a nutter, that Darby Allen. Oh, he's At a, least he tried. Um, but that's the thing as well. He's got a story, and he's quite a yeah. compelling character, and he's, he's been in progress. Say it again. He could fit in progress, I think. There's things you could do Most with Darby Allen in longer-term story. Most definitely. And it would have been really nice for his character to have been established here via the commentary. Um, but obviously, that wasn't done. So I imagine a lot of people watching this would be seeing Darby Allen for the first time. And mm. they kind of missed out on that background of who he is. Like, obviously, you can go and research that independently. But it's nice to have it contextually given to you by the promotion on such a show. Hmm. Definitely. Um, I mean, any other uh, big highlights? I mean, we'll talk about the, the two days in unison. I mean, a big part of the, the Thunder Bastard match was Jeff Cobb winning, therefore going on to face yep. Travis Banks. What did you make of Travis Banks' weekend? He had a, he got, he got a bit bloody in the match with Shane Strickland and mm. kind of continued to play into the booze. I thought that was okay. I thought the Jeff Cobb match itself was much stronger and we got a more of a, a stronger heel, Trav. Uh, what did you make him of over the, uh, the weekend, JP? Um, I, I think the issue that I had with these matches was a case that the, the results really weren't in doubt. Mm. So there was no way that Shane Strickland was beating him on the on the at the first show, and there was no way that Jeff Cobb was beating him on the second show. That simply mm. was was just not going to be be the case. Um, there's too much. Obviously, we're big Travis Banks fans, and mm. if you've seen Attack, you've seen him being able to do comedy this is kind of like i i think his mic skills are are certainly well i say that they're getting better they're they're good they're at a point where he's he, he is interesting but this kind of overtly roman reigns influence right yeah. it's like oh no 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 like let him be his own person i i kind of get it's it's an easy thing to do and I, I'm very conflicted about him. I was saying this to Joe earlier on. I have this horrible feeling that what's going to end up happening is the Banks is going to be really good fun as a heel. So the crowd will start cheering for him again. Mm. And you'll just get this kind of almost real, like, messy booking because the crowd reactions can end up being... You end up being dictated entirely by that. And that's not that's not always the best thing to do. And it kind of prevents the future long-term story planning. I know I'm thinking too far ahead with this, but so I, I kind of feel very confused. 
mm. about but, all of but, this. So I still don't understand why I'm supposed to boom in the first place. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the problem, isn't it? I mean, Joe, yeah. you've obviously not been on the show since this has happened, and it's just... Uh, that, that's kind of my problem. I can't help but look at her and go, but why? Why is he the <laughs> Why am I supposed to hate him? But if I can forget all that, I mean, I don't know, Joe, if you put it in a vacuum and... I know that, like you said, JP, I definitely concede there's the chance that the fans are going to end up on his side, ironically. But he is trying. He's pulling, you know, he's pulling ridiculous heel faces. Even in, you know, winning the Jeff Cobb match, he he got a clean win, but he kind of gets it hitting that weird variation of the Kiwi Crusher and being as annoying and heelish as possible, getting the pin and then just disappearing straight to the back and cutting a a really strong, I thought, heel promo before the match. What do you make of it, Joe? In, In a vacuum, is he doing good work? Um, or you, or you, you sold it all on on this Travis Banks as a heel thing in oh, progress. I think he's undoubtedly good at doing this, without mm. a doubt. He's a good wrestler. He's a talented wrestler. He's shown he's shown that he's diverse as a wrestler as well, both as a character and in the ring at the times as well. And I think this is a prime example of it. Um, I thought that the two matches he had over the weekend were nothing to write home about. The Shane Strickland match was kind of like, here's Travis Banks as champion having a good match as a defending champion. What we had, match. Yeah. yeah, what we had for months previously. They had a better match in Lucha forever. Yeah. The mm. second match was, here is Travis Banks, this kind of freshly turned heel who's doing this kind of, you know, ribbing on the fans type gimmick. So it was kind of like his his reign and the two halves of his reign across one weekend. Mm. What I didn't like and was just like, why are they doing this? Was the fact that they were booking an entire match around Roman Reigns spots. And this comes from someone who quite enjoys Roman Reigns in the ring, as much as I disagree with the way he's been pushing all the rest of it. And one of the things I've really resented in progress for months is the sheer amount of references to the WWE. Um, I suppose they're booking a a match around the top star in their mate's company. So I suppose that's it at the end of the day. Um, But in a vacuum, yeah, I think Travis Banks is doing the most he can in the situation. Um, And I'm sure he'll thrive in the position. One thing I'll say is Volta obviously is the big match at the second day super strong style volta's hugely over right now i don't think he's ever been more in vogue in wrestling mm, ever no. so uh, let's see what they've got planned for that one because i'm pretty sure you know that's going to be a big match and i'm pretty sure there's going to be a big result in that match either way i think walter coming out after this when he after the, the second uh travis banks match when he'd, he'd finally beat uh jeff cobb and mm. Walter comes out in a progress shirt as well, parting and saying, there he is, in a progress shirt, Walter, waiting for someone to post that on the fan group, but no, no one did. Um, <laughs> he came out and he grabbed the belt, and yeah, I kind of like that feud, um, but again, that's another criticism I kind of got over the two days, because it's clear we were heading in this direction, they've done in-ring segments, they've had Walter on Twitter talking about how he wants Travis Banks, but we also had a number one contenders match with Walter and Zack Sabre Jr. on the same weekend, which was a great match again in a vacuum um but it kind of telegraphed the fact that walter was winning that did it not i don't know did they did they hate your enjoyment at all um i mean it was a great match i think one of the things when it comes to progress and title shots is at this point in time there's no consistency to how people get title shots like <laughs> jack sexsmith won a match against seven jobbers essentially, yep. and got a title shot that he's cashed in the biggest show in the North. Flash mm. Morgan Webster lost every single match for a year, then won a match, mm. won pin for win the match, 
and then got a title shot and is now like one of their main event talents. It's, it's very, <laughs> very, very inconsistent. Zack Sabre Jr. feels to me like he didn't lose a match in progress forever, mm. lost a match to Volta, now he doesn't get a title shot. Like, <laughs> if this was a legitimate sport, if it was like MMA, I'd be pissed off if I was Zack Sabre Jr. right now. Uh, <laughs> You'd be off to Bellator. Well, yeah, essentially yeah. Flash Morgan Webster must be like Nate Diaz or someone to get a title shot after <laughs> that one win. And, you know, there's plenty of losses on his record previously, weren't there? Um, yeah, I actually, going back to the match itself fucking great match like these two right now are there any two better guys in europe their their form and their their delivery and the pantheon of great matches they put together this year i'm only in april is quite stunning to be honest i think i don't think there's two guys who are more over than these two or better in the ring than these two in Mm. europe right now if i'm honest with you definitely uh what uh, did you think it, it stacked up jp to maybe the the previous matches that these two have had uh i really enjoyed it I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I think, again, viewing it in a vacuum, it was also at this point, there'd been the kind of leaking of the news. Obviously, now it's, it's common knowledge about Zach signing for New Japan full time, mm. which means that these bookings will probably be coming to an end, given that they're on the other side of this very bizarre, intricate wrestling war that's going on he's in the super strong style isn't he, he is he in the super strong style yeah oh he is okay so i mean but we might be that might be one of the last bookings that he he does for them i don't know you never know he could be there at wembley but it didn't feel like and like you said they've been setting up walter so the idea of walter not winning this just wasn't going to happen mm. and seeing zach lose over the weekend as well seeing him lose to ishii seeing him lose to to Riddle as well. It it kind of just felt it was on that pattern of of putting of, guys over on putting his guys way over out. on his way out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, one thing I'll say as well is that's three promotions that uh Zach and Walter have had great matches with each other in now as well. PWG mm. Evolve and now Progress. Um mm. there's something there between them as well. The chemistry is unreal. Yeah. I was going to say that it's kind of like it just where especially with this new Zack Saber character as well, with him kind of being doing heel powdering work, but in a way where he's kind of trying to he's slapping Walter and then Walter's coming back with hard chops and Zack Saber's constantly trying to get away from him and but still constantly trying to grab a hold and and be credible. There's just something that really works about that combo, isn't it? Oh, most definitely. The way that both of these guys are able to change the pace and the flow of a match mm. by just throwing in one slap or one kick is quite incredible as well. It's not something that yeah. a lot of people can do, like the timing. It's, it reminds me of Chris Hero when he was over here uh, for a couple of years and he was doing his indie run, he was like the absolute master of turning the, turning a match up a gear or taking it in a different direction just with that one spot and that one moment in a match. Like, I, I, as Zach's may have signed for New Japan full time, but I hope, you know, it's going to be a loss. I hope we get to see as much of him as possible because, yeah, he's been on absolute tear this year. Definitely. Uh, any other highlights then from the shows? Uh, one person I probably want to pick on before we go into anything else. Eddie Dennis turning up was uh, a, a great, uh, a great little thing to make these shows more progress canon. I, I say, I think I'd read it somewhere, but I'd forgotten it by the time I got round to seeing these shows. And it was, it was great to see him cutting killer promos in the ring uh, about Mark Andrews again. He's just uh, there's just mm. something. He, he's just a natural as a heel, isn't he? He's kind of. I laughed at him taking out uh, Ricky Shane Page the death match 
worker with that microphone. Uh, I thought that was quite funny. Uh, but other than that, I kind of really enjoyed uh, Eddie Dennis's uh, two brief appearances on these shows. It's the it's the one storyline that feels like classic progress. Mm. To be honest with you, it feels like. And I know obviously part of this is is kind of self imposed, but the way that regardless of any hurdles that are put in Eddie Dennis's way, and by God, he's had a few chucked in there. Mm. He still is absolutely compelling. And even when he was going in, and like you say, this probably does harken back to the, the venue, not having that much atmosphere in and of itself, <laughs> that when he was coming out and saying, none of you know who I, none of you know <laughs> yeah. who I am. He was playing off the no reaction, wasn't he? He was yeah. playing off the fact that there wasn't one, which is great. It was probably the best thing you could do in that situation. Absolutely. And by the end of it, people knew who he was and there is there is going to be i mean i it sounds really weird to say i'm i'm massively looking forward to eddie tennis versus mark andrews at wembley but by god i hope that happens because that feels like the only the only way this story should culminate yeah it's one of the most compelling stories in wrestling right now i think he's Mm. maybe the most relatable character in wrestling right now and I thought that he stole the show. I was, I thought it was great seeing him there. I thought he gave the shows a kick up the arse, mm. <laughs> which is what they needed at this point as well. It and was it, the thing that made it feel like a chapter show. Yeah, most definitely. Because otherwise, yeah. it just felt like a, a progress it's, house show. It's sorts, progress it? in New Orleans. It's not really that much difference than to the the Australian shows that they've yeah, been doing. Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of follows in that pattern. Yeah, yeah, and I think Eddie Dennis looked well up for it as well. If anything, mm. like he's obviously gutted that he couldn't wrestle on these shows. I imagine. But he, he made the most of the time that he was given on the microphone, didn't he? Especially on that first night. So, good on him. Yeah. I think you, you touched on an interesting thing, Joe. I kind of saw a bit of a conversation about this on the, on the Twitter timeline today. People talking about relatable heels and whether that's good or bad. And it's kind of like, yeah, he is very relatable, Eddie Dennis. But the way he goes about it, the way he kind of carries himself is what makes him a heel. He might be justified. But it's kind of the way he's swearing and shouting at the fans and the way he's still being somewhat unreasonable, although you do kind of relate to the situation he's in. He walks that line perfectly, doesn't he? So I don't think there's there's any danger there either of him, of him being relatable and, and therefore getting cheered at any point. Um any other notes then on that or anything else on the show? Like we said, it was, wasn't was the two shows, sorry, it wasn't hugely notable couple of days of progress. Uh, I don't know, anything else uh, pique your interest? Yeah, a couple of things I wanted to throw in was choice of talent they took over. Um, so I, interesting that they chose to take, say, guys like Haskins and Havoc, who are regulars, but they gave the shows nothing, like nothing mm. at all. They didn't add anything to either show. They just feel like such a stale act. It's just a couple of progress mainstays. Like, I saw Jimmy Havoc around New Orleans a bit. I, t- I tell you, that bloke, he was compelling. He was amazing at one point. He's almost become like the Harry Redknapp of British wrestling. Like He's gone from, it's like he's had his run at Spurs, where he almost gets the England job when he was the progress champion. And now he's at QPR just putting his feet up, just having a beer and talking about his old mates and having a laugh with all his old pals and catching up with them. He's like everyone's mate who loves a beer with Jimmy. It's it's like, I don't know. I saw him at the Joey Janela show just having a beer and thought to myself, you were great once. And you could yeah. still could be great. Like, what has happened here? Because he's not, you're so boring at the moment. Like, I'd yeah. love to see the old Jimmy Abbott back. And the, the, talking about Eddie Dennis, it's just kind of a reminder of that, to be honest. 
It's it's not like he's particularly old either, or it was particularly long ago. Uh, but you're exactly right. I almost feel like they put him in this heel act with Haskins and Flash Morgan Webster to kind of maybe recapture some of that heel havoc. But yeah, it's not really doing anything. It's just for me. not there at all. And look, we haven't even mentioned the fact Will Ospreay was on these shows. That's to yeah. me speaks volumes. You know, you got arguably the best wrestler in the world on this show, and we've not even mentioned him. And you know, him and Haskins have had some great matches together over the years. And they had a perfectly fine match here, mm, but yeah. it was nothing to write home about. And I get that, considering the amount of matches Osprey had in the weekend after he almost, you know, broke his neck. So, mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I suppose to kind of tie two things together there, then, from what you've been talking about as to who they they've chosen to fly over. I mean, I think part of it's probably a visa situation. Jack Sexsmith was supposed to be on the shows. Um, he was taken out of the ring camp versus David Starr and Jack Sexsmith tag. I, I believe there was a personal issue there or something. I think that match probably benefited from it. Although I would have enjoyed seeing ring camp uh, against Jack Sexsmith, just maybe for uh, for all the wrong reasons. Um, but you think there's? It is a bit weird the people that they did take over and the people they didn't. We've not really had a chance to discuss this. So what did you make of Andy? Andy cool that had some comments about the the visa situation and getting wrestlers over to new orleans he was saying that he'd wanted to work with progress and he'd wanted to split costs on, on british talent and he was outright told no by by them and gabe sapolsky um therefore the red pro show ended up as we talked about earlier being quite full with the american and japanese talent which probably worked out for the best in some ways and progress had some unique talent although a lot of unique talent that, that uh, crossover with the access shows uh over the weekend it's uh it's all a bit of a shame going back to what we talked about at the start jp with uh promotions not really uh being able to work together yeah this is a i mean i imagine that the, the, the visa situation is ridiculously complex mm. um because of who's ordering them and, and obviously whether or not that puts any restrictions on where talent can be um which is a shame because Ultimately, it means the people who could have possibly had another payday couldn't have that other payday by working mm. somewhere else. Um, it's it's incredibly complicated because of these series of, in some cases, very loose and very tight alliances between companies, which always seems to stem back to WWE and New Japan. Effectively, it all kind of filters its filters its way down. Um, so with Andy Quilden's comments on it. I mean, that would be obviously his perspective. Progress haven't said anything about it on the situation as well. Um, it, it's going to be interesting when it comes to the likes of sort of Brooks and Banks, for mm. example, who've been doing. Um, I mean, Brooks was in Rev Pro before he was in in Progress. Brooks didn't do Access either, and he didn't do Access. Yeah, he didn't do do Access at the same time it's it's a very odd situation and it's it's very i find it very hard to kind of keep track of it to be honest mm. with you so the, a lot of the access shows just seemed like very weird cards to me i don't think anyone really i haven't had any buzz about any of the stuff at access really it just sort of happened in a in a bubble it seemed over the weekend yeah. like, i've not seen any results from it i don't know what happened yeah one of the things you've got to toss up here as well is from the talent's point of view do they want, say, that extra payday by doing that Rev Pro show, sell a few more T-shirts, bit of cash in hand, lovely old job? Or do they want 
an access booking where William Regal and a few others might watch him perform and they might have more of a chance of getting a job with WWE. You know, it's a, mm. a catch-22 in many ways. It's almost like... A, and it's depending want, on who the person is yeah. as well, isn't it, then, and what they personally yeah. want to do. like Travis Banks did access. Does he want the instant gratification of a few quid from the Rev Pro show or does he want um, maybe that delayed gratification of maybe a WWE job from yeah. his uh, match that he's done at Access that weekend where he might have impressed someone? You know, it's a tough one. I think one of the issues as well would be WWE paying for the Progress visas. Now, I don't think Progress have outright said that, but, you know, it's it, from other people that I've spoken to, it's pretty clear that Progress that the Progress visas were done and by did it for the, WWE. Yeah. And you look at the guys who worked Progress and who worked Rev Pro, David Starr, Green Card, uh, Will Ospreay, New Japan would have probably sorted his visa out. Zach, mm. I imagine Zach's already got a visa that maybe Evolve sorted for him or New Japan sorted for him mm. because I think he was living in America anyway. So, you know, it's pretty obvious what's gone on there, isn't it? Anyone who's not got a visa that, sorry, anyone who had a visa anyway could work um, Rev Pro. Anyone who probably had a visa done for the weekend by someone else couldn't work rev pro i get quilden's frustration completely um one thing i did find interesting that he said was it's interesting what people will say in public and then say behind closed <laughs> doors like oh <laughs> well he doesn't hold back on that i know it sounds like we're promoting another podcast but it's he why doesn't hold po- back on it it's why his podcast is so good yeah so many people buy into that though don't they i mean i posted the quotes on twitter and certain people who probably won't name maybe we'll talk about later were coming in my the progress defense force was out in full force and i know all the progress guys they they say such nice things about rev pro and and this is what they get and it's like well that's exactly what andy quilden's point is that they they're going to say these things in public but when it comes to the business side of it it is it's a business i I get that um they're making very different decisions than than what they'd say outright and i think you touched on it there i don't think we're ever going to get uh the progress side of things because i think the elephant in the room here is wwe and progress can't outright say well it's wwe's fault um so we're not gonna i mean there's also the wwn versus wrestlecon element to it as well so i bet you that's where gabe Mm -hmm. sapolsky is involved too but yeah i think we're only ever going to get one side of the story but yeah you're right andy quilden is is quite open on those podcasts to bring wwe into it as well i sort of get it from their point of view that if they've done this guy's visa to work shows that wwe may be involved and may have a stake in some way i don't know how that all works um I get it. They may not want someone work at a show that they've not got them a visa for because they may get in trouble with immigration based on something. You never know what might happen. I completely understand that. It seems like it's, uh, you know, an issue where there are many different components and many different messy parts, really. And I kind mm. of feel quite sorry for those that are involved and caught in the middle of it, if anything. Mm. Um, and yeah, I get from Progress's point of view when they are in bed with WWE that it is really difficult for them to say anything at all. But I think the fact they are in bed with WWE uh, kind of says a lot, really, doesn't it? Let's be honest here. Mm, Definitely. I think, uh, yeah, from from a fan point of view, I think I'd rather see 
what Rev Pro are doing and get to see, you know, the fact that they've got these New Japan guys working their shows regularly. Mm. Uh, I think that's, that's a real benefit for Rev Pro to be on that side of the aisle. And, and again, uh, Progress, I suppose, have not had any obvious negatives to being uh, attached to WWE. Um, but I did laugh recently. I saw Jim Smallman do a tweet, something, he was doing a Q&A, something along the lines of somebody asked him, would you ever go in, would you be interested in going on TV? And he was saying, oh, I wouldn't want a big company making decisions for us. And I had to wow. really resist from quote tweeting that tweet. They were all kind of hang on. I think there's, I mean, but my personal conspiracy theory at the moment, the fact that Jack Sexsmith was supposed to be on this access tour, the fact that Jack Sexsmith is, uh, sorry, he was supposed to get a visa. The fact that he um, is slated for this big Manchester event that we've talked about on this show is, it makes no sense. He's kind of been plucked out of obscurity, like you said, Joe. Won a random match in Sheffield. Now all of a sudden he's headlining the biggest Manchester show ever without a real push to go with it. Part of me thinks, oh, with WWE UK coming up, uh, maybe that's the reason that he's so high up in the in the progress booking at the moment. I don't know. Maybe that's just a conspiracy theory. Uh, but you can feel elements of of WWE involvement, and I don't know. Maybe we'll we'll see as a because that's the other thing, isn't it? The fact that WWE are coming back and doing things on these shows, and there's going to be another mm-hmm. WWE WWE UK tournament coming up. Maybe that plays into the some of the decision making here as well. Yeah, I think you're definitely right, and I think there's all sorts of things that play. Like, you know, the Progress guys were in America until they went to Australia. They, mm. I'm pretty sure they were at the NXT tapings, from what I was told. You know, they've been there several times. I think didn't they deny being there once as well? And there was that photo that leaked out. To me, it seems like they're there getting some experience. They're getting trained up to possibly yeah. run WWE UK at some point. And you know what? What I'll say to that is fair play to them. If they can make a decent living out of it, they can pay their mortgages off. They've got families to well jim's got a family to provide for i get that from their point of view completely um one last point i wanted to make as well about Hmm. progress running wrestlemania weekend i really hope next year they just sack off the wwn stuff because i really Hmm. can't see from from an outsider's perspective what they've got out of the wwn stuff this year because the shows were weak as a result of a wwn logistics and setup the shows were in an awful location. If WrestleCon are running Madison Square Garden, not Madison Square Garden, they're running in Times Square next year, and WWN likely will probably run in, I don't know, some shit-o in New Jersey, Newark, or Trenton, or somewhere most likely. <laughs> um, it would be really nice for Progress to break away and say, no, that's too far out. For WWE connection, it would be amazing if they could Man, use w- yeah, WWE's connections in New York and get a couple of really authentic, proper progress shows at the Manhattan Center. Because yeah. I think the American fans will get like the proper progress experience that way. And they're not going to get it while they're letting WWN kind of organize the shows, mm. if anything. To, to add on to that, when you compare that and the Rev Pro show, Rev Pro are able to supplement their shows with New Japan stars, which feels obviously very special for a WrestleMania mm. weekend. Progress have to supplement their roster with the Evolve stars, which does not necessarily feel special. And there's a reason a lot of those Evolve stars aren't being brought over to the UK. Yeah. Like, Joey Janela, I'm looking forward to seeing him at Super Strong Style, but I've got no interest in seeing Ethan Page ever again in my life, if I'm honest. Ah, he's a good promo, Ethan Page. I don't mind him. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Not a fan, though. In the UK and in Europe in general... What like do we would we need Ethan Page over here? Would he add anything? 
He comes over and does odd shows, doesn't he? Is it for NGW? No, it's not NGW. It's someone like that. Maybe it's Southside. Um, he's over here and he kind of just like does like one spot shows and doesn't, Mm. doesn't go anywhere else. But yeah, you're not going to see him on like, uh, on a Rev Pro show or, or a Progress show anytime soon. No, and he wouldn't draw my attention if he did. No. Uh, Any other thoughts on, on Progress before we move on? All done. The, the only thing I'd like to add on is in terms of, um, the delays in getting the show up. Um, and one of the things I, I just wanted to, to say ab- about this is there were some people who were, who were obviously paying for the on demand and they're asking where the content is. Please don't, anyone who is listening to this, you might think of saying, oh, don't be a dick as the instant response. This is a customer who's purchased a product and being told it's being released at a certain time. Everyone else that weekend managed to either get live streams out or get the VOD out in two days. I absolutely, and having seen the Progress documentary and, and having listened to the latest podcast as well about how much John Briley has to do and how much work he has to do, it does get to the point of, it's it's not an easy thing to say, of, of getting in extra help. We see it in, we saw it at WXW where there's quite a big production crew of people and people they're doing the live edit um, and then editing afterwards as well to make sure it's up on the VOD in, in quick space of time. Mm. If somebody's paying eight quid a month, they have the right to say, hang on a minute. I've been, you know, these, are, these shows are meant to come up and they do need to be up quickly because that's how they stay fresh in the memory. Don't want to end up in a situation like what happened with pro wrestling Eve, where there were, Shows that were like months, out. and I'm not saying that would ever happen, but when shows get delayed, they get forgotten about very, very quickly because there's so much wrestling on. So there's kind of an emphasis of getting it out there. And I, and I know obviously you'd want the final edit and whatnot because it's a storyline-based company and these are the people who've come up with the storylines. But there has to be a more workable situation around this because in 2018, saying that there isn't a good enough internet connection doesn't really cut it. <laughs> There's no internet in the United States of America or yeah. Australia, JP. That's that, that's the problem. And I don't get anyone <laughs> who says that, including myself, is he's, he's being a dick about things by, yeah. by pointing that out. I don't think that's a, an incredibly unreasonable thing to say. But I understand at the same time, you know, that they're, that they're snowed under. I mean, but the amount of shows and everything else. So it, 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 it there does come that point and ask that question of actually, do you need to have people who are editing there at the time on the day but it's like the hottest highest profile indie probably in the world at the moment mm. has got their shows at last and they've had more technical issues than any other company like mm. it's that's kind of bad isn't it at this point in time especially with the expectation that people mm. have and i understand there's increased pressure of increased yeah. expectation but that just makes me think to myself they're red as a New Orleans at that venue. See, <laughs> so if, well, if, they, if, if, if they, if they made nice with Andy Q, he might have let them come to his hotel room and use whatever uh, internet, cause he managed to get his show up. So I don't see, maybe he had a hotel with a bit of a better wifi connection or something. I don't and know. And on top of that, he was doing the commentary and the ring announcing. <laughs> so that one, they had a drive to get there though. Jesus. <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> Indeed. And this is coming from a man who thinks he might have got a speeding ticket on the way back from that Janela show. I was so fucking tired. <laughs> oh, no. Well, no, I ran a red light. That was it. Martin thinks I got a 
but yeah, he thought he saw something flash when I ran a red light, which I didn't realise I ran because the junction was so bloody confusing. But I digress. Sorry. Yeah, you like me with a bus fine in Germany, though. Just don't ever go back to America, and they'll never find you. It'll be fine. Well, the hire company, mate. That's what I'm fearing. <laughs> <Okay>, Calling. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, right, well, uh, moving on. We're going to talk about uh, a company that we don't talk a lot about, but having been over to, to Germany late, lately, been over to Oberhausen, uh, maybe we've just got a bit of a, a taste for it. WXW and their True Colours, uh, the first big uh, follow-up to the 16-karat gold tournament. Uh, I watched this one on VOD. Uh, you watched this one as well, Joe. Uh, was this the first yeah. uh, WXW show you've watched on, on VOD since since we got back? Did you did you watch Carrot uh Back, back on VOD? No, Carrot, I haven't watched back on VOD, um, partly because a time is mm. one thing, and just let, letting the memory settle in a little bit. Um, <laughs> I, like the I, watched the, I watched the London show on VOD, um, mm. kind of skipped through that one, watched a few matches on that one, um, and then I watched this show in full over the weekend, so it was the first full show and the first German-based show that I'd watched since we went to Carrot. Yeah, I mean the reason I ask, I watched that London show back as well. Uh, that London show, they had uh, I think it was Jeremy Graves and, and Callum Leslie doing the commentary, mm. uh, which was a, a strong pairing. Uh, my biggest takeaway from watching True Colors back, uh, the big diff, the big thing about watching the Carrot tournament back was the strength of the commentary from Aaron Farrell and Jeremy Graves as a combo as well. But this yeah. show <laughs> had Christian Michael J- Jacoby and, and Andy Jackson on the commentary mm. uh, from speaking to. I, I mean, saw this and I. I I haven't seen any of the show bar like I think the first match which we were watching mm. tonight together and I immediately took against Andy Jackson. <laughs> it was like oh, listening wow. to a really long boring conversation. It was just I mean both men English isn't their first language and we shouldn't be ungrateful the fact that WXW do an English language option and this is the one negative I've got about the show because I'm going to gush about everything else about the show in a moment but I do feel ungrateful complaining about it but it just wasn't good um, I don't know did you feel the same Joe did it bother you in the same way uh, I, did, I, I did feel like there were big spots where they were kind of just talking over it as I talk over you if I'm honest, I was watching it with my brother and we mm. were chatting for about most of the show. Mm. So the commentary was kind of zoning out in my mind and we, I was just watching the action and sort of listening to the crowd noise, if anything. Mm. So I paid so little attention <laughs> to the commentary. But the fact I was paying so little attention maybe says something about the commentary in itself. <laughs> I think you have to do that. I think it's kind of like CMJ has that, that Gabe Sapolsky kind of thing where he's so attached to the product that at least you've got him filling in the blanks um, from a story point of view. But I don't know. I, yeah, I think, I think part of it as well is the fact that I, I did a, I tried to be political in a complaint about it on Twitter and I had the official WXW account reply to me and tag all the commentators in and, and tell me who was going to be commentating the updates, the upcoming shows. So I ended up quite feeling quite bad on uh, Paul Andy Jackson for uh, dragging him through the mud. Uh, but yeah, I didn't let it come from no idea I genuinely don't know the amount of people people who I know were hardcore WXW fans that never professed to be an expert were scratching their heads where where exactly he came from but uh, I believe he's got a broadcasting background and again English isn't his first language so maybe we'll uh, we'll give them a try on, on another show uh, but what did you make of it as a, as a show overall I thought it was really the, the two the two big matches were the two strongest things on the show yeah, uh, Maris Elani and Absolute Andy they had a great match on the, the first day of Carrot or at least I really enjoyed that I did hear some negative reviews on that but I kind of I enjoy the feud that they, they've got going as, as somewhat of a newcomer to WXW over the last couple of years I've jumped in on the big shows um, 
before we were going out to Carrot, I lost, watched a lot of Shotgun back and watched some of the big uh, shows that I'd missed over the last year. Uh, but but for someone who's a newcomer, or I suppose even if you're an existing fan, they do such a good job with the video recaps, uh, with explaining the story between, particularly the Alani and Absolute Andy match. You know, explaining that they were a team in the past that they'd won the won the the the, the, the tag belts in a ladder match, a TLC match, which is the match that they were having on this night as well. And you know, Absolute Andy saying well who got pinned when we lost the belts it was just it just that's the big strength of wxw isn't it it's the production and and the effort that they they put into the these little things that just uh make the the product come off as as major league oh yeah and it makes helps you to invest a little bit more in these storylines as well and kind of wraps you up in it like they've got a formula down with the video packages that's so effective mm. the, the, the best video packages that i've seen in in wrestling at this point i think um mm. as a show i'm with you ben i felt thought that the main two matches really delivered in a big way mm. um the card though was easy to watch yeah it kind of flew by if anything it was a it was a fun watch there was nothing that i thought was necessarily bad or below average on the show there was storyline development up and down the show as well with the with uh, Pete Bouncer becoming the leader of Rise it felt like they kind of skipped forward a couple of months there if anything mm. uh, with that um, a, a decent enough women's match as well a good tag title change again completely different direction with the tag titles to what I imagine they were going with with uh, Demac and Bad Bones um, so lots of lots of changes but lots of really fun stuff to invest in on this card yeah definitely it, it felt like uh the fact that we've got the the specter the ghost of of bad bones being gone john clinger no parts of uh, wxw anymore they had a lot of loose ends to tie up and as you say it, it did kind of they felt like uh the big thing here was the fact uh, damaka the match with tko and he tried to get the, the rest of rise to attack pete bouncer and then in turn they attacked him and raised the the, the rise finger with him and they all reconciled um which i thought was a, a really good moment and like you said joe it did feel like they probably had a, a couple of months worth of story here with with Klinger um, maybe fighting over the leadership of Rise and maybe Pete Bouncer trying to take over but instead we fast forward and we've got him um, as the leader of Rise so yeah they did some some really strong uh, storytelling on this show um, that I think again is a, is a real highlight of of what makes WXW so strong um, but yeah like you said the, the, those two big matches were just were kind of my big takeaway the fact that uh, we had Again, th- these were two matches built in, in a lot of story. Um, I would probably say that, that Ilya and Walter was probably my, my favourite match of the show. The fact that this was a rematch from last year's Carrot. Uh, again, they got had another great promo video going into it. Um, and just two wrestlers who've got absolutely incredible chemistry as well um i think it's similar to what we were saying with walter and zach saber jr earlier you've got walter kind of being the power guy and chopping Ilya and Ilya in this way he was kind of the underdog and that's what he's so good at he was just absorbing all of the the walter offense and getting a big pop just when he comes back and hits something as simple as a body slam um there's just something about the fight that Ilya has in him i, I went into this match watching it knowing that uh knowing what the result was and knowing the which way it was going but i think his amazing selling and the timing of the comebacks and the little moments that the two do between them with you know walter beating the crap out of Ilya and Ilya spitting back at him and refusing to die uh they did delivered a really really great match i don't know what how this would compare joe but was this to your preferred match of the two big matches on the show 
Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely was. I think I like both feuds. I like all the guys in the matches. But these are the two guys that I like more than anyone else on the show. Mm. And their chemistry is great. Um, they feel like proper main eventers, if anything. Like I think, you know, Andy's a great wrestler. And Andy's got a little way to go still, even though he's decent. But this felt like two proper established main eventers with, who have absolutely everything down at this point as well. Um, and it felt like a big match, what with it being a rematch and the first time they've met in a singles contest since last year's carrot final as well. Mm. Um, I thought it was a fantastic match. I thought it was consistent throughout. Um, one of the things I've got to say about Dragunov is, is there any man who uses his intensity better in wrestling right now? Like you've got, say, like a Sammy Callahan who's intense, but it's, his intensity is kind of annoying, mm. <laughs> if anything. <laughs> and people talk about how intense he is. But does that intensity work in a match, does he work it into a match? Dragonov works it around his entire character. It feels like he's running on adrenaline constantly and running on this intense adrenaline, this other level that he's able to find during his matches. I thought it was absolutely amazing. It made sense. His comebacks were great throughout the match. Volta was able to change the kind of flow of the match just with that one move, whether that was a big boot, whether that was a chop. Mm. It was just great. Dragunov's selling and the sympathy that he's able to kind of elicit from the crowd as well. Is there any better babyface in wrestling right now? That's what you've got to wonder. He kind of, you end up leaving because he's such that a stronger babyface. You kind of end up with Walter in this match. He was almost leaning into the heel side of things, wasn't he? Kind of choking him because he, he ended up getting booed because he was so brutal towards Ilya. And you said there that that you know he's he's got this underdog intensity. Who he, he reminds me of is Mark Haskins, just a lot more effective. I was going to make the same point. <laughs> I was watching the match with my with my brother, and I ended up saying to him. Dragonov is what Mark Haskins could be if he was motivated and kind of in the zone and wanted to be like that good at this point in time. He's got all the potential in the world. I just think Haskins is kind of on the back burner a little bit at the moment. It doesn't seem like he's been that into what he's doing for, for a little while now, in all fairness. And Dragonov seems hugely motivated. He seems like he's got something to prove. And everything has kind of come together for the bloke, if anything. One point I wanted to make about the match, I didn't love some of the overbooking. I got the stuff hinting at kind of the Walter Hill turn. I got that they would have probably do a series of matches as well. But it felt a little bit overbooked, I thought, at points. And I thought the match was going so well hmm. that it kind of disrupted what felt like it was going to be a match of the year contender, if anything. And that restart and all the stuff that went on did kind of take me out of the match a little bit. And I found it that little bit harder to get back into the match after yeah. that restart. Uh, like, I hope that the matches they have in the future are much cleaner, um, don't have those kind of ref bumps and those outside elements playing into the drama of the match. I'm not necessarily a massive fan of that yeah. in this sort of match between two guys like this. Don't mind it if it, maybe in the absolute Andy Alani match, probably would have fit. Here it felt like this was more about wrestling and not about overbooking the story to get to the next point. I think, yeah, I think that was... I was watching it thinking, are they doing this to protect Walter? Because he got his visual pin, didn't he? Um, although we did get another referee out quickly and then uh, Tassilo Young came out after to call off the match because Walter took out the replacement ref, which 
lent in more to that heel styling and I kind of like the legit sporting feel of Tassilo Jungo and no, you've just bumped one of the referees. We're not just going to carry on with the match. I kind of bought that as, again, going in, I, I had a vague idea of the spoilers from this show. I bought that a little bit as legit. I was thinking, oh, people were raving about this match. Is this, is this really the finish? Uh, but yeah, it did feel a little bit unnecessary, especially as you kind of got Ilya come, that's when he did spit at Walter and came back and, they had a, a little spot in the outside where Walter threw him to the chairs, but it wasn't long before. I think Ilya kind of rallied and got the clean win with the Torpedo Moscow, so you probably could have got to that point, couldn't you, without the, the ref bump in the middle? I do wonder what the, the thought process was there. Yeah, look, I can't see what it added to the match, really. I, it felt like a slightly different sort of turn for a for a main event like this. It felt like the kind of thing you might have seen the Volta Bad Bones main event from, you know... Fit more sort of bare bones heel persona, if anything. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, not something that I was expecting. Caught me off guard a little bit. Um, I'm sure they're going to have a couple of rematches. It felt to me like this is the first of many, mm-hmm. if anything. It feels a little bit like the um, Daniel Bryan, Nigel McGuinness series in Ring of Honor to me, to some extent. And I'm hoping they can do as many matches as those guys because the matches arguably got better. They never let up. And there was a great dynamic in those matches. So, yeah, hopefully there's more to come from this. And hopefully those matches in the future are going to be a lot cleaner than what this one was. Definitely, yeah. It was kind of... WXW will leave little clues that we're going to get. I mean, the, the other big match, Marisol Arnie and Absolute Andy. As soon as Absolute Andy kind of uh, pulled the Alani's foot off the rope uh, in, in their carrot match, it kind of gave them license to do a rematch. Maybe that's what the... The ref bump is in Walter and Ilya. I don't know, but I mean, on that Alani and Absolute Andy match, I mean, just with, before we do move on, I've got to talk about Alani's kind of baby face. He was like the biggest baby face in the world, trying to climb a ladder with both of his hands oh, tied behind so his good. back. That was like I had a heart in mouth moment, kind of seeing him try and climb up and at the same time looking at it thinking what's he actually going to do when he gets there what's he going to do when he gets to the top and it was kind of like he had that same moment in the ring in kayfabe terms but yeah just seeing him fight back and even hit spin kicks while he was tied up he, it was a really really great babyface performance from him and uh, again another strong heel performance from absolute andy oh yeah most definitely like i was going a bit mad when he was climbing up the ladder <laughs> with his <laughs> with his arms tied it was like i, I get it but at the same time, you're fucked. What are yeah. you going to do when you get up there? <laughs> and that was something completely original that I've not seen in a ladder match before. Um, so I'll catch it with his mouth. Well, well, that's what I thought he was going to try and do at some point. Like the originality in that spot, considering you, you think you've seen more or less everything anyone could ever do in a ladder match, something special. Like good on him for trying to for finding a way of getting Al Andy over a little bit more. Make him look innocent while looking a little bit stupid, but also making Andy look like the absolute twat that he is once again. <laughs> I think it says everything about Absolute Andy that we've just got used to saying Absolute Andy and not thinking of it as the most ridiculous wrestler name in the world. He, he fits <laughs> it fits him now because he is that that dick veteran character, and a lot of people were surprised that he went over at Carrot. But yeah, this was a, another great performance from me. I've not you know I'm not not 
been into WXW a lot over the past few years, but past few months I've not seen anything but but great stuff from from Absolute Andy. I just thought he he was really great in this match as well. He's just I don't know. There's just, there's just something about him. He's got that kind of although he he's apparently in his thirties. He's got that aging veteran thing going for him, hasn't he? And I, I don't know. I'd be someone hugely high on the prospect of a match with Absolute Andy and uh, and Ilya that we're we're obviously going to be getting this ladder match being for the contract that Andy won at Carrot. But I'm uh, I'm quietly up for that. Oh, one. definitely. Definitely. The the heel face dynamic in that is especially going to be something something great, I imagine. Definitely, yeah, that's it. And another note as well, just to note on that ladder match, the fact that they had a the ladder was quite flimsy, but at least it was taller than the IKEA ladders that we got over here in the UK. So <laughs> although it, it made some of the spots kind of awkward, it was uh, kind of cool that we uh, that, that at least they they had that. Yeah, but between, I mean, just to sort of carry on the theme of, of WXW um, not being a promotion, I've, I've paid too much attention to, but since coming back from Carrot, it's. Mm case where subscribe you know to the on demand and got and loving watching shotgun apart from vader scott and martina which is just a disgrace <laughs> of a match um but yeah for the most part plenty um, of bobby guns on there plenty right? of bobby guns on there all good a bobby guns <laughs> <laughs> we love them yeah there's just something although I think you lose things a little bit watching wxw on vod the music being a big one i don't know i kind of got into the idea of of the stock music that they use, I think it's called Unstoppable, wasn't it? That the rap that they use oh, on the show, that was awesome. <laughs> that song, when you know it's When Ilya was doing his entrance, he's got <laughs> one of my favourite entrances in wrestling, <laughs> and uh, uh, the music thing's tough. But watching him do it to that fucking song, <laughs> and it must have been the tenth time, more than that, I'd heard that song during that show. I'd love it if they didn't have to use the same bloody song throughout the show. That's that's all I'll say. Silence was better than that song. I think I muted oh, it no. during the end. In the end, ah, oh, Joe, you're coming out as the biggest heel of this show. You didn't like Janelle's Spring Break, and you don't like the fantastic Netflix Unstoppable rap. You know what I'm going to do. You know it's going to be the theme music for the episode now, or at least the end music. Yeah, that's it. Oh, <laughs> fuck it. Uh, anything else stick out for you I from find, the show? Find show use um, what's it called? Um, that Bon Jovi song that Janella and um, what's it Sasuke sung at the end of the show. It's I'm well. all right with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll think about it. I mean, any other notes from the, from that show, the, the WXW show? Did you? Uh, you're a fan of uh, the Monster Consultant Tag Team. It was kind of cool to see them get their big moment and and win the tag belts. I I'm a big fan of LAX. So that was a really good opener. Yeah, most definitely. I thought that was a fun opener and a di- different direction to go with the tag belts as well. What I've seen of um, um, Monster Consulting they look like a really mm. fun tag team I've not seen a great deal but I've enjoyed what I've seen Mark Davis getting the win in that four way um, to challenge Bobby Guns as well clearly they must like Mark Davis um, to put them over three of their guys as well Lucky Kid continues to impress I thought he looked freaking awesome in that four way mm. he's, he's really got something like he's got me absolutely hooked and I'd love to see him get brought over here at some point by like a Rev Pro or someone because he is awesome I think we just got to make sure that Monster Consulting do a defence in Ireland at some point as well. <laughs> yeah, Avalanche think, particularly. Think is... Yeah, they just lose their sh- lose their shit and 
God, who can blame them? <laughs> yeah, him and Nero, they'd be heroes if they, uh, they headed out to Ireland, definitely. Uh, moving on then, we've got uh, a couple of, uh, notes of, of shows that, that each of you two guys have gotten to live in the, in the time since we, we've last, uh, recorded the proper spotlight episode. So I'll, I'll give the floor to you first, Joe. You went to see Red Pro live in, in Southampton at the weekend. A, a show that, uh, I've not seen a lot of buzz for online and I even tried to look the results up on Cage Match today and prep for the show and there were no results on Cage Match. Um, Strigger, uh, you slip in there, mate. I just couldn't find anything. <laughs> Um, what, how was it? I mean, do you think it's like a WrestleMania malaise? There doesn't seem to be much bills coming out of this one, although these Red Pro live shows aren't always the most newsworthy. Right. What I think it is, is they haven't created much of a buzz with these surrounding shows yet. It took a little while for the cockpit shows to catch on. And, you know, it's central London, so there's, they're probably going to get more attention and more people are going to go to those shows. Um, this was quite a unique show in that it was very much a local crowd. So I'm from Southampton, um, and I was home, went home for the weekend to see my parents, and this show just happened to be on. Also wanted to watch the FA Cup semi-final with a few of my mates, which, uh, yeah, wasn't the best game, to say the least. So I went to this show, not on much of a high, and this show certainly lifted my spirits. Uh, much more of a local crowd here. There were people that I was recognising the crowd who I hadn't seen for 10, 15 years, to say the least. Um, not people I was chatting to, it's been too long. Um, but people that I definitely recognised, I know they still live in Southampton. <laughs> so you got much more of a local crowd here. I did a head count of about 100 people in the venue as well. And to be honest, there wasn't much that was overly newsworthy on the card. Um, if uh, I, I don't know if you can add results to cage match. I'll go and add them if you can, because <laughs> uh, um, I've got the results. Or next time, maybe I'll do results on the Indie Corner account. Um, if, yeah. Sorry, Stu. Um, but yeah, it was a solid card, but there wasn't a, a great deal of notable stuff on the card, let's say. Um, one thing that was I loved on this card, the best match was uh, the freeway between uh, Kip Sabian, uh, Rev Pro, Trainee, Dan McGee and Josh Bodum, who mm. continues to impress once again. Um, there was a Josh Bodum Dan McGee match that I raved about at the cockpit a couple of months ago. Seven minutes where they just beat the shit out of each other. This was kind of similar. Um, Bodum and Sabian tried to eliminate McGee from the match and just spoke about just having the match between themselves because McGee wasn't on their level. That really helped McGee get over during the match and really got the crowd on side. So there were guys there who had no idea who McGee was before this match. They don't follow Rev Pro. They don't get arrested in shows in London. They get arrested when it's on their doorstep, as they had an ear in Southampton. Um, and McGee was over with these guys by the air. They were chanting Dan. They were going mad for the bloke. He looked great in the match. Bowden made him look great as well. Uh, Kip Sabian, I thought, slotted right in here as well. He looked a natural. Um, I just hope these shows can get a bit more buzz, and I hope the shows get a bit more attention. I do think Southampton's not the most attractive of cities, I'll say that. As somebody who's from Southampton, I wouldn't want to be travelling down to Southampton for shows necessarily. <laughs> and the venue's not the best venue. I went to a Lucha Forever show in this venue last year. The last time I'd visited that venue before this Lucha Forever show was for my under-15s uh, Division 3 championship winning uh, season where we, where we were presented with like a trophy and some medals for winning the under 15s division three <laughs> so that tells you what sort of venue we're talking about here if Sounds anything great. <laughs> were you not tempted jp 
I, I didn't tell him about it. I went no. home for the weekend and it just happened to be on, so I was like, oh, I may as well go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, looking at it, there's lots of of people on here that are that I've kind of won that I like seeing. I mean, I'm a big Jodie Fleisch fan, so I mean, with he him, got him the cities Bro- mixed up. He started the match by saying, "Come on, Portsmouth!" Oh no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's Buff Bagwell in Glasgow, England territory, there. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> um, yeah. That, so I'd have been interested in. Uh, how was that match against Adam Adam Brooks? Uh, solid. It, I'd say it was the second best match on the card. It was a, a fun watch. Jody Fleisch did a moonsault off a off a off a balcony, not quite as high as the York Hall balcony. That's high enough. Um, the balcony, in that but it was place. like a bar that is up some steps, and he just got on the balcony by the steps and moonsaulted off there. The bloke is like thirty eight. It was bloody impressive. I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> but the arrows of hungry. Good. Heard something. Did nothing for me. It, mm. It's the kind of gimmick that I just hate. Like I've never. I, I like War Machine as wrestlers. <laughs> I hate the gimmick. I've never been into. Like, the, what, what would you describe this gimmick as? A Viking, bald bearded men in a in a some like, sort of a pop, Mad Max style apocalypse. I can't think of any. I've ever seen them anywhere. Where else have they worked? I'd seen Icarus WSW. Before. Yeah. Mm. All right. I've not okay. seen Dover before. Um, yeah, did nothing for me. I tell you what. Gideon Gray and Rishi were hilarious though yeah. uh, I was pissing myself at some of the stuff they were doing together and they teased the breakup between the two as well so maybe eventful it's weird seeing TK Cooper on this card uh, like I've only ever seen TK Cooper I think live in progress um, and it was weird thinking of the buzz that was on him after Wrestlemania weekend this year, last year and mm. then here it felt like hardly anyone knew who he was he felt like a kind of dead actor, if anything. He he was good in the match with Custom. It was a solid match. There was nothing about it, but it was just so odd seeing him on like the second match on the card. No buzz about him when he's pushed as a kind of a main eventer in in the rival company, if anything. So yeah, it's very odd seeing him in this kind of venue and in this kind of situation, if anything. It kind of does talk to the fact that something we've said in the past with him that a lot of the the fact that he's so over in progress is to do with the goodwill, the fact that people know his real story and and want him to do well. So yeah, it's interesting there that he's not didn't really make much of an impression. No, not really. Um, he was trying, and there was a kind of funny moment in the match where him and Sean Custom had a bit of dialogue, of sort of back back and forth, if anything, and people seemed to laugh a little bit. But I don't know. There was there was nothing there really. Um, people didn't seem to get into the act. It was quite a quiet crowd who were unfamiliar with more or less everyone on the card. It seemed to me. Um, not many people knew Jody Fleisch was, and like to me, you know that's that says a lot considering you know what he is to british wrestling and what he was to the previous generation of british wrestlers and indie talent generally if anything um even say ridgeway and chapman people didn't really seem familiar with them either so i think they've got a long way to go to win this crowd over i think you'll get a lot of people returning to the shows because hmm. southampton's been starved of wrestling for years and like i say i think there are a lot of people who are kind of local to southampton who don't travel for shows or don't like to travel for shows if anything so this will be their kind of um by month i say monthly or um six times a year dose of wrestling if anything 
Fair enough. So, not a not a show you'd recommend people seek out. I mean, the the Bowden match sounds interesting. At least I think that's mm. maybe something. I'll, yeah, I'll look I'd say for. that's the only thing worth watching. Bowden's fucking brilliant. How this how this guy is not getting booked everywhere? I don't. Uh, he, seriously, he must have done something well, he seriously did on that bad. Germany, and that was yeah, yeah, yeah that was a that. real shame. But I, fuck me, he's good. I do wonder if if <laughs> if he tried any of that stuff in all Japan. <laughs> he, he came out in an all Japan hoodie. Did he? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And he was talking about it being his return, and threw a couple of blurbs out about being in Japan during the match and stuff, and was kind of playing that side of the side of his uh, recent travels up a little bit. So maybe that'll play into what we see from him in the future. But mm-hmm. yeah, honestly, the, the se- several promotions missing the trick. He must seriously be tough to deal with backstage because he's he, he's one of my favourite wrestlers. Uh, moving on then, uh, JP, uh, we've yep. haven't had the chance to discuss it at any point, but uh, it is an April show, so it kind of counts at our catch up. You're headed to Birmingham for the DTTI final at the very yeah. start of the month for Fight Club Pro. Uh, just because we've not had the chance to talk about it, and it was such a, a big show for Fight Club Pro, getting to run a show at the NEC. I bet they they never thought that was possible when they they started the company and and into their early years. Um, briefly, then, can can you tell us what it was like as an experience and did it work as as a wrestling venue as as an ex- i mean i've been there i've been there with work um and so i've been there to gaming conventions mm. and the like and it, it was, insomnia was on that day so it and the nec is kind of really a series of different rooms different halls and they just sort of blocked off this particular hall um it looked from a from a technical perspective it looked great um they played and i don't know if you guys have seen it this brilliant yeah, sort of video yeah, sure. package which you know put a bit of hand zimmer put al pacino's speech from any given sunday on and you're gonna <laughs> generally create something that i'm gonna be interested in and they had this what anyone who hasn't seen it i would really highly advise you go out and seek seek it out um and it was it was kind of strange because it was like there were very few people standing up. I mean, I was stood at the back with your brother Kieran and the and the Ogdens, and there wasn't many people sort of stood around. It was it was seated. I think the approximations I've heard anything up to two thousand. For me, I reckon probably one and a half or so. Hmm. Um, it was it was nice to watch wrestling in there. It didn't feel sort of very grungy, which if you think about where fight club pro has come from, it it doesn't kind of almost fit in with the aesthetic. Um, as a show, even though it was the final of the, of the dream tag team invitational, it felt very nothing really. It, it it didn't, there was nothing that particularly stood out. Um, I mean, there was an incident in the start of the first match that stood out, um, but on the whole, it was it, it felt very odd. It didn't feel like there was a whole lot of buzz going into this tournament from last year, and that's you know the the Bucks and the you know you had Kenny Omega and the Bucks on mm. um, when they were in Wolverhampton. Um, you see, so had Mustache Mountain winning the DTTI final against Aussie Open um, for the for the tag belts. You have the booking of the of the Fight Club Pro um, title uh, is really odd in the sense that you had Mako Satomura take on Pete Dunne in a non-title match and lose, mm. and you know, and it feels between this and the Chris Brooks run, 
it's like I don't know what's going on. Flat out there. awful, yeah. I mean that's the thing. Miko yeah. only won the belt from Chris Brooks on, on day one of this tour. Um mm. and I did think as soon as I saw that result, I thought that was really strange. Um obviously she's coming back and she's gonna do more stuff with Fight Club Pro, but I even thought it was strange on, on day two, which was the show in Manchester that I got to, that she was just thrown in a in a random multi person match and she wasn't taken out and put in a in a big title defence. Um yeah. just a bit odd isn't it that i don't know joe have you got any inclination to see these shows uh, i've got to be honest i think as much as i enjoy the live experience of fight club pro i think it's the book in the fact that there's not a lot stringing together these shows and the stuff that is stringing it together isn't very well done uh, in a lot of ways just kind of puts me off from tracking down shows on vod when i can't get there in person yeah no interest at all if i'm honest uh, no one sold the shows to me they all sound pretty yeah, there's a yeah. Lot, lot of wrestling to watch at this point, and if anything's not, doesn't sound like it's good or great at this point, I'm I'm not going to bother if I'm completely honest, because life's short. Um, what, what I'll say is it's weird because a year ago I was so on Fight Club Pro, like after going to the Fiction a few times, then the uh, DTTI last year with the Elite and the British Strong Style match. Hmm. Such a hot promotion. And the move to the Starworks and how much fun the first couple of shows at the Starworks were. But one of the things that made those uh, fiction shows great was some of the story-based stuff. And some of the um, booking was great. And sort of going into the Starworks, that continued a little bit with like Amari's Ascension, a little bit of Millie McKenzie as well, and Travis Banks being this defending champion. But all of that seems to have just sort of dissipated, if anything. I, I feel like there's mm. been a real wind change at Fight Club Pro, and uh, or sea change, I should say, and the bookings got slack. It feels like the matches are put together just before the show at times. Mm. Um, they book import talent that I'm not that interested at times, aside from Loki, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, there's just something about it that I just, I can't be bothered to drive to Wolverhampton on a Friday night anymore. It got knacker in and the shows seem to get kind of worse in quality the more I did it. And they don't seem to be improving. So, it just feels to me like they've put so much work into growing and so much work into um, the logistics, the aesthetic of the show, what the show looks like, the production value, and they've kind of let the booking go to the go by the wayside a little think- bit. The booking's never been their strong point. It's kind of, but I think because they've, got, I mean, my point that I've made it before is because they are now at this size, because they had that big book show last year, because they had that incredible, they were all of our promotion of the year for 2017. Um, the fact that they had that and the fact that they had all this buzz, once you're in that position, I think you do need to pay attention to those little things that Fight Club Pro haven't had to in the past. It's always just been a fun night out. And you go and you enjoy the show and you have a laugh and you go to the after party and that's that. But I think, yeah, if you want to compete on this level and, you know, we slag progress off a lot, but, you know, they're doing great things like the Eddie Dennis stuff. That's a great story to tell. And maybe the rest of it isn't so great. But if you want to compete at that level, you want to compete with a Rev Pro and you want to be a, a top British promotion. I just think, yeah, you need to be doing these extra things. And yeah, they, like, like JP said, the, the Miko booking over the weekend, especially just, uh, encapsulates, uh, some of the, the issue that Fight Club Pro's got there. But I don't know. I don't know if they're, they do have a hardcore fan base that don't seem to be too bothered by this, uh, tri- Matters. With Satamora as champion as well, like to me it seemed very random. 
I sort of thought that building to a first female champion, the promotion is something that maybe should have been a bit more of a slow burn process. Mm. And it should have been made more of a deal out of. It really should be Millie, if anyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of taken away from her moment as well, hasn't it? Mm. To some extent. Like I get people are into her. I get that she's yeah. a legend. I, I will say, I don't believe that 1,500 people at that NEC show are massive Mako Satamora fans. I think there's a lot of, uh, sort of charlatans there who are, <laughs> you know, <laughs> probably claiming they've watched a lot more Joshi than they actually have, um, which I find quite funny. But at the same time, it just feels like more random booking from Fight Club. It's quite cool that they've done it. It's quite a brave move. Um, at the same time, it's not necessarily something that is going to get me back to the Star Works at this point. Um, yeah, it's going to take a bit of work before I'm willing to drive to Wolverhampton on a Friday night again. Fair enough. Um, JP, just to pick up on something you said earlier, you said there was yep. a bit of an incident in the the opening match. Um, yes. The Briscoe brothers kind of came with a bit of controversy with the, the booking in, in Fight Club Pro here. Um, yep. What exactly happened, I believe? I, I mean, there was some... I went to the Manchester show, and I believe there were there were people who, who walked out there. Um, the Briscoes cut a, a heel promo on on the night where they didn't outright say anything but I saw people on Twitter say well they were they were looking at us over there with the with the rainbow flag and that they'd they'd uh, there was a point where they they were brawling the crowd and they grabbed the rainbow flag as well I mean this all stems from comments that Jay Briscoe made on Twitter 5 years ago uh, I remember at the time thinking you know that it was awful I did kind of think well mm. what did you think Jay Briscoe thoughts about teaching <laughs> gay marriage in school, considering who Jay Briscoe is. I don't, that's not me excusing it anyway. It's just me kind of saying, is it that surprise? Was it that surprising? I mean, I also remember thinking that his apology at the time didn't go far enough either. I remember him doing that in ring, uh, apology in Ring of Honor. I because basically what he'd said is that if anyone tries to teach his, his kids about gay marriage, he's going to shoot them. Um, awful thing to say. Five years have gone by. We're getting these reactions. Um, I don't know. Uh, what was your take on it being there, JP? It's not. It took me a little bit by surprise, just because the Briscoes have been over to PCW. They've done Ring of Honor shows over here. Have they done Rev Pro as well? Um, yeah, yeah. It just seems a bit. I don't know. I wouldn't begrudge anybody to feel that way about what he said. Um, but yeah, five years later, it, it did kind of surprise me that the, there was as much talk about it over the weekend as there was. Yeah, there was. I mean, there was about 20 odd people who, who left their seats and went behind the booth where, um, where, where the production was actually being managed. Hmm. And there was a couple of people at a rainbow flag who ran up, who tried to go up to the, to the, to the ramp. And they got told to go back by security. And then there was just silence mm. for a lot of the match. People on it. I mean, and I have to say about, about the Briscoes in terms of them as wrestlers, they, it feel, they feel very, very stale. They kind of feel like they've done everything. They have done for years, haven't it's, they? Yeah, they really are. And so they just do nothing for me. I don't, I don't feel, um, in, in, I've never felt really invested in their matches for a very long time. Um, and especially considering them in there with Moustache Mountain, it was really bizarre. It was just a very odd atmosphere um, uh, that happened and took place. 
And I think a lot of people decided effectively that if they were going to protest the, the Briscoe brothers, what they were going to do is not do some overt display, but rather just not react to them. Hmm. Um, so you had this kind of very dead atmosphere. Isn't walking out a reaction, though? Uh, yeah, it is a reaction. But I mean, their their reaction to most of the crowd was just not to make any noise for the Briscoes at all. They hmm. just seemed to be how how they were taking it on board. I mean, and the match itself was a real non-event um, and obviously really suffered as a result. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, it, it's a, it's a, it's a really strange one because um, obviously what he said was really horrific. And I have to say it's Jay Briscoe here, not Mark Briscoe. Yeah, that's an important point. We can point, make assumptions it? that Mark Briscoe feels the same way and he grew up in the same environment. And, not, and I'm not, obviously standing up for for what they said at all but do you then you then lump mark briscoe in there as well as a sort of a guilt by association that's a a dangerous road to go down yeah Yeah, and just to assume that they have the same views on things because they're Mm. brothers is is not fair like Mm. think about sorry to bring family into it you and your brother yes (laughs) like polar opposites right yes yeah couldn't be any less similar so i just think um I feel like there's, and I absolutely condemn what Mark Briscoe said. Uh, sorry, Jay, Jay Briscoe don't said. Do that. <laughs> um, I remember being on Twitter at yeah, the time. And those tweets came up and was like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah. Like, what is he saying? Yeah. And he cost himself, he cost him and his brother a job with WWE. Imagine his brother was fucking pissed off at what he said mm. as well, that he cost his own brother a job in WWE as well as himself. And his apology wasn't the best apology. I know that didn't he dedicate, didn't he donate two months salary to LGBT charities? I think I remember at the time. I'm not overly sure, but it feels like ugh, enough time has passed at this point. Mm. They've been over and had no trouble previously. It sounds like the reaction and the protest kind of dictated the feel of the match and maybe the feel of the weekend to a certain extent. Okay, now are they that much of a problem and are they that much of a threat that you have to make the show kind of about your perspective and your point of view while live in the building? I, I just uh, there, there are little things at the moment that are going on amongst fans in British wrestling that I find quite uncomfortable. Um, I feel like there are little pockets of sort of pressure groups, if anything, who have um, who sort of play this purity contest where unless you judge and condemn everyone um, who does anything, like something minor wrong, then you're not a good enough person. You're a bad person. And it's all about making sure that you look good to people on Twitter and you don't... Um, alienate people and it's just a bit it's just a bit sad because at the same time these groups are talking about aren't they meant to be about inclusivity and i think what they set up to kind of achieve they've kind of gone against in a way and it feels like they're sort of alienating people more so than they are including people because they've certainly alienated me by trying to make shows about themselves and this is a prime example of that mm. and i'm not condemning what the briscoe said i'm no, sorry i am condemning what the briscoe said i really really am i must state that yeah and just jay briscoe as, as well we should again outright say it's sorry yeah yeah, it, yeah. i think what I he said they feel the same way don't they yeah well yeah. that's the thing as well what he said was about teaching marriage to gay teaching gay marriage to kids 
And I couldn't disagree with him more. I'd wonder if he did a straw poll of Americans who are American wrestlers. How many other American wrestlers don't think that should be taught in schools? The way he said it and the violent threat that he made is awful. But yeah, it does. To take that comment from five years ago, and I don't know, maybe it's easy for me to say sitting here as a straight white male that five years later, yeah, you know, why why you're scared of Jay Briscoe to show and somebody who, you know, is more personally affected by that could give a, a good explanation for that. I mean, I, I should also say, I mean, elephants in the room, I've got to mention it. I, I've had run ins with those groups. I'm, I'm blocked by one of those inclusive groups on Twitter for disagreeing with the leader over, over a oh, pro. So am I. Over a very, very minor progress matter and got called problematic and got dogpiled. Kind of this, there is a very dogpiling culture, uh, <laughs> that kind of goes to what, what Joe was talking about there. It, uh, the, the people, yeah, you know, being on, on a very, very minor way, I don't mean to, you know, compare the, the situation that, you know, the, the conversations that I had on Twitter directly with this, but yeah, it's just, I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know what somebody, somebody who is offended by a Briscoe's booking, you don't want to say, well, stay home then, because I don't know if that's the answer either. But I'd also question, you know, the, the Fight Club Pro kind of got off, let off very lightly yeah. with this. If this was any other promote, if this was a, a less favorable promotion, uh, a promoter, promoter, yeah, if it was PCW, if it was five star, um, I don't know if yeah. they'd be given that much leeway either. Um, whether I agree well, with you the know, reaction elephant or not. in the room, we're talking about the PW girl gang here, aren't mm. we? Yeah. Right, let's just say it, right? Yeah. And they were allowed to sell T-shirts at that Fight Club Pro show. The promoters allowed them to do that, right? Mm. So it's not in their interest to really have a go at the promoter, is it? Mm. So, <laughs> well, yeah. that, that kind of goes to why I'm blocked from because I was having that conversation about progress because the leader of the PW girl gang is very much the leader of the pro. Progress Defense Force as well, and you know they're they're going to be selling their T-shirts at Progress shows. So you know, the, the, my I imply that there might be a, a lack of there might be uh, some bias there, um, and it has turned out that yeah, they are actually you know doing that with Progress. Do you think that plays into to the reaction here? The fact that we've we've seen it go the way it has and not the way it might have if it was another promotion. We don't know if there's any. Like, obviously, we don't know private conversations that go on and say, I "Actually, find mm. it really problematic." Yeah, this that could have happened. Been could booked have. in your car. That could be taking place. I, I'm not sure it is. Um, if you know, I, I kind of would suspect that isn't the case, or it's a very different tone of conversation. Mm. Um, and I think ultimately these things come back to the promoters. I think of what happened in OTT with Bram, mm. and people were straight on the promoters about this hmm. and the promoters dropped Bram and there are re- there are very good reasons for not to like Bram not least of all and, and, and I'm stealing this line from you Joe's because he's shit doesn't really help either no. um, as a wrestler but and we've been guilty of that as well we've condemned Bram on this podcast whereas we talked about uh, we talked briefly about the TNA show earlier but we didn't say much about Moose who's had similar accusations it's where you draw the line isn't it you ne- <laughs> this is the logical outcome of a lot of this is that it's um is that does this is there a, is there a kind of selective targeting going on is that targeting going on aimed at at only very specific uh at specific people people who maybe aren't going to be regulars over here to kind of you know it's it's kind of shooting fish in a barrel you know you can you can have a go at someone who's going to be who's an input was only going to be for here for sort of three four shows and then go away again. 
it's very it is it is a lot easier to do that than with someone who you might not be going face to face with at a show and they may well have said problematic things and then it comes into like it, it's it becomes the the kind of like we've said this before it's a, it it can become like a purity contest and it's the purity you, stuff that bothers me the most it's like these people have done quite, anything bad in their lives and as soon as anyone does something bad it's like unforgivable age of outrage is the best way to see it like people just want to be outraged constantly people are invested in wrestling they follow wrestling <laughs> they also use twitter constantly yeah. outrage oh shit this is broken i'm gonna be outraged by this if i'm not outraged then i'm a bad person it's like people are constantly trying to prove how good they are as people how pure they are as people and this is a wider discussion but this is existing mm. in wrestling right now, and I feel that it's actually making British wrestling, in terms of fan culture, far more divisive than it is inclusive. And that is a real shame, because I know that the PW Girl Gang was set up to make people have a good time at shows, for people to be more are. inclusive. Yeah. And you, there's an element of that that is not that does not stand for that and stands to push a personal agenda if anything and that that really sucks yeah you would say that though joe you are a super tedious internet cunt after all so you know there is absolutely <laughs> and, there it, is and i suppose in all of this what what would end up being lost is somehow it's like okay you're defending the briscoe and defending anyone who does anything bad and no we're not like, no obviously not that's not the case you can take an, a quote out of what we've said and no doubt i'm expecting blowback on this um but we can take a quote out of what we said and then kind of make it fit a particular type of a, um, of a narrative yeah. that, that somebody else wants to put in place. It's like a tabloid it's tactic. There could be something taken from this podcast that we've ta- we've said, mm-hmm. and it could be twisted, and it could be turned into something that was not intended from what we have said. It's been done based on something on stuff I've said on this podcast before, and it's a real shame because these people are claiming to be really liberal, really open-minded, really inclusive of people. And they were really judgmental when Jack Sexsmith did a, did an article with The Sun to try and educate a mainly working class audience on pansexuality, a really progressive and great step on Sexsmith's part and The Sun. And I hate I fucking hate The Sun. But at the same time, they're using tabloid tactics to twist words and to outrage people and to rile people up. It's exactly the same. It really is. And it's a really, really like sad thing, really, because going to british wrestling shows is great fun and i feel like over the last year really it's kind of changed a little mm. bit and the atmosphere it shows has changed a little bit and the crowds have kind of changed there's nothing wrong with that but i feel like unless you have the exact same i don't know <laughs> unless you believe the same things and think the same way and are outraged by the same stuff then you're not in the gang yeah i mean i i, I would just say i mean we had that conversation about the sex with son thing and i disagree with you joe but it's fine that we disagree uh, it's probably part of that's probably where i'm born and i just can't see the benefits of working with the sun yeah. although i do see your argument but there's nothing wrong with that i'm not going to take what you said out of context and use it to beat it with that's kind of it goes to what you were saying there about uh twitter it's kind of the, the world that we're in it's like no one really cares about the meaning behind something that you say it's what they want to do is take an element or a misstep or one thing that you you maybe said not exactly right and just take it out of context yeah. to win points that's almost the the culture Absolutely. now um yeah. as i found out being tagged as problematic and we all found out the indie corner is being tagged as a uh, super tedious internet cunts um yeah. all for having a minor disagreement completely unrelated to any of this stuff uh and, with and the leader of one of those groups 
we don't represent all of the people who do all of the work for the site and all of the people who write all no. of the articles as well. We are, we are just one element of this. No, um, it's it. it yeah. The, these things don't end well. Mm. Like they don't end well. And we don't want to have um, an atmosphere at shows where uh, what can end up happening with this is that people are, there there will be some people who can end up responding in the opposite direction in order to kind of because this confrontational aspect has come about and you don't want there to be a nasty atmosphere at shows if people are saying dickish things at shows and shouting all manner of horrible things and that goes on at all shows yeah, there's there's no. There's... I I shouted a few people down at WrestleMania for making misogynistic comments during the women's battle royal. It was like, what the fuck? Like, come yeah. on, you know. Kaylee uh, Ray gave someone. A oh bit of a yeah, slap, I read about that. Yeah, that. yeah. Um, but for for the same thing as well. It, it's just that. It, it, is there going to be a statute of limitations on things? How do we decide? who is a good person and who is a bad person. Mm. And if we do this, there's going to be a lot of skeletons in the closet that, that would end up coming out. And a that's... lot of people, and that's, you know, this is, and it wouldn't, it means you'd end up having to effectively attack possibly some people you would profess to claim to really be liking. There is that too. I mean, that's the thing is, yeah. I, I always get pulled back to that point and we'll probably go on forever. So maybe we'll, yeah. we'll wrap it up in a moment, but I, I always go back to that point of what is so special about pro wrestling. Um, people can be accused of all kinds of things. People who weren't convicted of crime can, can work in, in, in roles working with children. We, you know, school teachers, uh, the care, all carers all across the country. You know, people all talk about wrestling and they, oh, well, maybe all wrestlers should be DBS checked. That's not going to solve the problem either. Cause anyone oh, who's, anyone who's, anyone who's not been convicted, unless it's something very, very serious that can be proven, that's not going to go on your DBS slash CRB check. So that's not a solution either. And it's just kind of, what is it about wrestling that, okay, yeah, we'll allow someone who's got, a something that they weren't convicted for something awful like domestic assault you can bet that there are doctors walking around who've got jobs who can do that job still and people don't you maybe it's the fact that you don't know about it but they can continue to go on and do that work what is it about wrestling that we place so sacred and like you just said there it's kind of if we do set the bar at a certain point it's you're kind of on a hide into nothing way with wrestling. I don't know if that's that's more of a, a depressing assessment affairs, or I don't know whether you'd agree with that. Or anything anything on that, Joe? Before we close, I, I completely agree with you, and I completely get where you're coming from as well. And I think that mm. one of the things that we're so willing and will so easily take out of the equation is upbringing, society, sociological um, yeah. aspects go out the window here. It's like blanket that. Everyone should think the same way. Everyone should um, feel the same way. Whereas not certain parts of the world aren't as progressive as the society that we're lucky enough to live in as well. I'm not sure that, you know, um, Delaware and like backwater Georgia have been as progressive as you know, big cities in the UK since the mid 90s, unfortunately. And it's an education process, as I've said before, with the Sexsmith stuff. And I do think sometimes we do need to remember that. We do need to rationalise that. We do need to think about that. And we'll have a much better time and we'll be much more kind of, I don't know, 
bonded and inclusive if we do do that that is inclusivity thinking about people's background thinking about their upbringing thinking about the perspective they may have been educated with that is perspective and that is inclusivity if anything I, I do I, I mean just to, to wrap I suppose uh, the, the one I, I mean I agree with everything you say and there one thing I do wish though just to bring it back to the subject I do wish we got something from the Briscoes on this uh, I know they used it for heat during the shows mm. um, but I don't know maybe that's me just being hopeful JP I was kind of hoping that we'd get some kind of something from Jay Briscoe to say you know uh, like he said at the time five years ago you know there's he made his statement was crap but it was along the lines of there's love in my heart and i don't hate people just something um just to kind of take away some of that ill feeling because i do disagree with with maybe the way that that some of this was handled but i still kind of there is definitely a part of me that kind of thinks uh i could understand though not being uncomfortable with the briscoes i don't know jp do do you feel that way at all I yeah I mean it would have helped it would have helped if he if they'd said something about this um and they didn't mm-hmm. and I don't know how many more bookings they're going to get I suppose just to reiterate none of what we're saying is does is designed to defend what they said because mm-hmm. that's atrocious and um and in, and then and I'm talking about strictly the the Briscoes here it's just that um maybe next time it might be worthwhile having those stern words need to be made for the promoters who bring Mm -hmm. them over, who are also going to be aware of these problems and next time have a word there. And that's probably a much more uncomfortable conversation to have, Mm. but because these are people who you would have seen around on a, on a regular basis. But I think that's where, that's where it, it, needs to go at points as well it's like well why i've got an issue with these people why are you bringing them over and that would be that would be the direction that i would go fair enough yeah i think that's uh pretty much wraps that up then there uh... that will end well won't it <laughs> I'm this. i look forward to seeing the uh comments that get taken out of context <laughs> twisted manipulated and use like a tabloid newspaper to kind of disparage us and talk about what terrible people we are by the purists <laughs> we're already problematic joe so yeah it's just further yeah. further down that line um anything else before we go then uh anything you want to plug or one thing i i, I want to plug is uh, on the indie corner website you can check out there's an all-star weekend audio review by brian de brain uh check that out uh you guys got anything um, I just wanted to also add on as well, like uh, go to theindecorder.com for um, lots of new articles. There's always stuff being published and going up on up on the site as well. So make sure you have a have a read of that as well as a listen to the review of the All Star Weekend. Awesome. Uh, where can the good people find you on Twitter? Uh, Lemsip four P's, JP Jippy three E's. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Benson Richardy. Uh, we'll be back uh, in a few more weeks. Uh, we, we kind of got a, a really busy uh, few weeks coming up in the Brit Res calendar. Super strong mm. style, as, as you guys mentioned earlier. You're going to be going to. There's a, a media center there as well. Not I can't wait. Yeah, not definitely. Oh, okay, okay. We'll, we'll see. But yeah, if you do make your way to the media center, I think that'll be very interesting to see what comes of that. And obviously, uh, <laughs> oh. Eve, if you uh, make that to make it to that JP. Unfortunately, I'm going to be in Benidorm on a stag do. So. Uh, 
I don't know whether I've got the the the, the better deal there or the worst deal. I'm not too sure. Uh, but yeah, keep an eye on the IndieCorner.com and keep an eye out for our our podcast feed. And as I'm sure we'll be getting some audio out over the next few weeks. That's it for us for now. We'll catch you again soon. Bye. Yeah, let's go. I'm unstoppable, do the impossible I'm irresponsible, yeah, I'm phenomenal I got an arsenal, I'm dropping bombs, you know No, I'm not stopping, no, conquer the obstacle To the top, here I go, think I'm chosen To be the king of rock, think the people have spoken I can hear the tick-tock of the clock, I'm in motion So now I'm gonna pop, causing all this commotion How's that sound? Uh, speak here. Uh, how's this sound? Does this sound all right? If I no, tap? no, still squeaky. Still squeaky. Yeah. Right. Um, okay, how's this? No, much worse. You sound very squeaky again. Okay. So this this sounds awful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. How's that sound? I've just put the mic back on. Is it far too bassy? <laughs> yeah, you sound a little bit. Uh... I don't know. You sound you sound like you're trying to hide your voice. You're making a ransom call. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Joe, Joe, you talk into us. See how you sound. Hello. <laughs> you sound like the the new big bad who's come to uh, EastEnders. Who's going to take all the over the Queen? Oh, right? well, <laughs> oh god. Like a uh, Craig Fairbrass on EastEnders twenty years ago. Speaking of, you sound How's better. That? You sound better. Tell me a story. Um, at the minute, it got Bayern Real Madrid on another Talk screen. About TNA, your favourite match in TNA history. Oh, favourite TNA match. Okay.